everybody. Welcome to the Resistance Broadcast. I'm John. Thank you for joining us on this Monday, September 12th, 2022. We are so close to Andor, nine days away from the debut, three-episode debut of the next iteration of live-action Star Wars. Pretty cool. Uh, and leading up to that, we had D23. So you're going to see two different looks of us on this episode. If you're watching on YouTube, if you're listening on audio, you won't tell a difference. But just so everyone understands, we're going to open the show here before Resistance Report uh, by talking about our thoughts on what was talked about or shown at D23 this past weekend. And then we're going to go into Resistance Report and talk about all the other news that came out this past week. And honestly, a lot of that involves a lot of speculation on our part. So we have a loaded episode. So as always, I'm very glad that James and Lacey are here with me in the base. The crew is ready to go to talk about this uh so let's just get after it right now and talk about d23 three trailers we got the mandalorian season three teaser front loaded with a lot of stuff that we saw from season one season two dialogue wise maybe shot wise Mm -hmm. uh the 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 final andor trailer um which in in my opinion it's it's at the point now where we're like just give us the show you know it's a lot of repeat uh, clips and a lot like of a re- repeat yeah. stuff yeah a lot of repeat stuff maybe a, a line or two here and there to maybe uh send us in one direction or another or maybe a misdirection who knows and then of course uh tales of the jedi the uh trailer for the upcoming um mini series animated series which is all popping at once on october 26th all in one shot six episodes i believe so uh, that should be interesting. And I have some thoughts on, on that as well um, and, and surprised in, in some aspects of that and all the other stuff that came out, you know, bad, the Bad Batch being delayed. And um, we're not going to harp on that too much. Uh, you know, people are probably sounding the alarms worrying about Bad Batch. I think Bad Batch is going to be just fine. I think um, Disney's just reworking their calendar, to be honest. I don't yeah, think it's like, a production let's, thing. Let's, I think it's a... Let's pop that in Q1. Yeah, I yeah. think that's a, hey, we have so much going on. Why don't we spread it out to keep subscribers around? But before we get into the trailers, because I feel like let's like we'll do the trailers in one little block. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the Ezra casting report that came out, and you know, Cinelinks put that out first. Then all the trades jumped on top of it, and then everybody and else did. Yeah, s- said they were confirming it and what have you. No official announcement from Lucasfilm or Disney at D twenty three. So as of now, that is not an official casting. Um, even though some of the bigger entertainment trades out there said this is confirmed. Uh, it is not, um, but that word confirmed is used quite often, as is the word exclusive. I'm but- okay with it, honestly, and I think he looks great. I think he's going to do probably an amazing job because I'm not- I'm okay. bummed for Taylor Gray. I'm bummed for Taylor Gray because we interviewed him and he's delightful. We saw him at Celebration. We were just so excited to see him. and He wanted to, he wanted to do it. Yeah, and he was so into it. I think yeah. also I'm very kind of disappointed for Mina because he put out this tweet that was like finally- you know, the truth is out. Uh, I did a self-record. Mm. That I felt yeah. bad for him, to be honest, because it, it, to me, it was kind of like a bittersweet disappointment tweet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I know it was done in good faith, but for me, I was just like, oh, I feel so bad for him. And I would have said the same thing if Taylor put something out, which Taylor said nothing, I believe. He didn't say anything, but... No, I, he's not very active on social media, yeah. media as it is. But, but James, so Iman Esfandi... Uh, reportedly cast as Ezra. Um, very interesting. Yeah, it, I, I'll just, quickly on the Mina Masoud thing. I mean, that was reported back in the day. 
um, and and it just kind of caught fire. And, and Ashcross and whole... email uh, interviewed him about it. Asked him yeah. about it. There was the whole like space Aladdin thing, and and I could be wrong, but that that might have took took him out of the running. The the fact that there were just so many jokes about how he played Aladdin and Ezra's space Aladdin, and I I don't know if that's the case or not. But anyway, mm-hmm. according to all these reports, uh, Iman Esfandi is uh gonna be Ezra. So James, biggest Rebels fan in the house, uh, if that is true. What are your thoughts? I'm sure you don't know too much about this actor. Uh, it was probably done on purpose to cast somebody who, when you look at them, you're not like, that's the live action Aladdin from Disney. It's, yeah. Nope. That's Ezra. So right, I can right. see that. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on this guy's look? What are your thoughts on this report? Do you buy it? And, uh, and let's kick it off there, I guess. Well, I mean, immediately when I, when I see him, I think he's actually, and it's hard to tell because Ezra is so, such a, I mean, he has distinct features, obviously, but it's like such a basic 3D model of a character. But yet still, I was like, I feel like he's the person that looks the most like Ezra out of Mm -hmm. anybody. I agree. Right. Um, So that was like my first thought. And I was like, okay, well, if this is in fact the person, then he probably, you you always got to know that no matter how much you hope somebody gets it, this was probably the best choice because casting went to this person despite the fact that they don't have a big i mean he's got a following but he's he doesn't have you know what we've talked about before like other he big, has a big following as people that like his movies but his social mm-hmm. following he literally set up his twitter account when this no this news broke yeah it had, like just been set up so Which, and i was gonna yeah. say a couple things like that was one clue that maybe this report is in fact accurate other reports were other um other fan castings like Mina, like uh, um, not Dev Patel, but um, oh, I can't think of his name. The guy from iZombie. I'm blanking on his Raul, name. Yes. Raul yeah. Cooley. Yeah. Raul yeah. Cooley, yeah. He also came out and was like, oh, fun run, you know, whatever. <laughs> like, congrats to the winner kind of thing. And I was like, okay, so if those people, I know they're probably just reading the headlines, but sometimes you you kind of think if they did try out or if they, um, didn't get it or something like that, then they kind of know and they would know when to like stop, you know? So it's, yeah. it Maybe seemed some like people stop bothering them about it to me. Yeah, I know. But it, it, it did sort of feel like I was looking at it. Like we said, I was like, well, this mm-hmm. isn't, this isn't official. This is not an official thing. And then everybody mm-hmm. who was kind of had been playing in that realm for a while started coming out and being like, congrats to the winner. And I was like, okay, so I don't know. They seem to be, they seem to know <laughs> something that I don't. So, mm-hmm. all right. Um, so I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to let it go. I mean, the, he, he looks good uh, and I hope that's it, a great point. it's going to be great. You know, I, I, I don't know if those other actors would come out and say, congrats to the winner or whatever, because you have to imagine, I, I've never auditioned for anything, but you have to imagine that they ask, well, oh, I didn't get, well, who got it? And the agent says, oh, it was blank. So mm-hmm. it makes me think that they saw the report and were like, oh, it's out there. All right. Hey, congrats to But like, also I knew about this for months. I don't want to shoot know, myself like, in the foot, but didn't also Rosaria Dawson like congratulate Mina Masoud when the news broke? She shared a post about something. I know, but that um, but she but, did but that confirm was, that was evidence. Ahsoka. She did confirm but that, that. I think I think James, that's different than someone who went for that part. Yeah, that's true. not getting that's true. it. That's true. So I, yeah, and, and and Rosario Dawson, you know, we've seen her just like fire off. Yeah. Why not It helped her get the Ahsoka role by the Boss Logic uh, fan art. Absolutely. So, 
Um, so, so we got the Ezra casting, so that'll be interesting. I'm, yeah, I'm eager to, I, I want to find something he's been in that's accessible for me to watch. I'm going to check this guy out and see what he's all about. He's got a new movie check coming out, out I think. Cause, mm-hmm. and, and there may be some stuff that's available online that he's already done, but there are certain patterns that actors have and, and things that, uh, you know, they're the trademarks of their style and stuff. So I'm curious how that fits into Ezra or if they need to have him shift how he sort of operates. But, um, so we have that. Um, any thoughts? Uh, did you guys both watch the uh, the Obi Wan behind the scenes thing? I have not yet. I haven't either, man. It's such a slammed weekend, and I didn't know when I was going to get to it. I saw that it was an hour long, so and I was we like, talk about that I just want to sit down episode. and watch That's that, fine. and I can't. Yeah. I don't want to watch it in bits and pieces. The only thing I'll say about it is, um, it 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 wasn't as in depth as I was looking for. But the stuff that they did hit on, like the emotional beats of the return of Hayden and Ewan mm-hmm. um, and, and seeing that Ewan stayed on set, even though he was done for the day for Hayden's first shot and they hug like that stuff's big. Um, and seeing uh, they actually did a, stu- a, a part at the end uh, about celebration and that sort of thing. So it was really nicely done. It was very um, it felt good. It felt like a redemption for Hayden Christensen. You saw a lot of the passion involved in how they made this thing. And the one thing that surprised me the most is there were more actual physical sets constructed than I had thought in watching the show. Okay, so, cool. So, so check it out. Uh, and we'll revisit that. Um, there was a lot to get. You know, we all have families and there's a lot going on these weekends and stuff. So we'll get into that on a later episode. We'll, we'll definitely give you all our full thoughts on on that. I, uh, I went to the, Michigan. I was like, I don't have time to watch this. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. Um, so, um, uh, the other thing, you know, we talked about just before we started recording Mandalorian and Grogu coming to galaxy's edge, Disneyland, pretty cool. So does that mean, are they officially like eliminating the timeline of galaxy's edge or are they shifting it back to this era and, and pulling it away from the sequel trilogy? I think they're just putting them in the land to put them in the land. I don't think this is a canon. So they're pulling back the curtain. They're, they're, they're like reeling in the canon element of Galaxy's Edge a little. I'm going to be completely honest, John. I didn't even think about the canon ramifications. Really? That's all I think I about with Galaxy's Edge. I literally just went, oh, cool. He's walking around. Oh, my God. The thing moves. It's an animatronic in the bag. That is so yeah. cool. I wonder who's controlling it. It's probably him. It's so neat. That's what I thought of mm-hmm. because, I don't know, there's a little bit of separation for me with the like, oh, this is canon. This is person walking around. I think that's I, how it I should get be. it. I totally get that. They're you're like, yeah. how does Kylo and Mando walk around the same location? But mm-hmm. from my understanding, is they have like little kind of like territories that they walk around. That- so like they Mando won't cross over into sequel trilogy territory, and same with Boba Fett. But then if you go past a certain doorway, then you're in Kylo Ren land, Stormtrooper yeah. land. Yeah, it, it's yeah. it's sort of, it, that's what I was going to say. We sort of got our first hint at this when they announced Boba Fett and Fennec Shand. We're gonna During celebration, park. yeah. And we were like, okay, that's weird. How are they going to do that? And that's what they said, is that they were only going to be in certain areas. So when you're in that area, you can kind of understand it as, and I imagine this will probably be the case for many years is that they've realized that certain segments don't necessarily scream sequel trilogy. So over there can still be Batu, can still be Galaxy's Edge, but potentially this could be Batu from yeah, it's this like you're era. time traveling. Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of a, a loosey goosey area. So you could see Boba Fett went to Batu at one point 
and now he's going to be able you're going to be able to see him so there you but anything that's like Ronto permanent wrap. structure yeah then that's and that's stuck. eat it in the sequel trilogy but then say hey i want to finish it before <laughs> yeah Galactic the, Empire period. The, the tough spots are going to be the big first order area and any and the millennium falcon i think that i mean it's Right off the you top of my head. You won't see oh, Mando oh, and Boba and Fett over in front by of the Millennium Falcon. Where the X-Wings are and stuff like that. Because yeah, you they won't wouldn't see be able to there. put Yeah. Where I think Mando with his bag <laughs> walks through like the shop area. Because that's the I, picture they released was him walking through the shop area with the lanterns yeah. and everything. I think he's specifically in that shopping area. My my only thought on that Well, is... he says he's looking for someone in Ogus Cantina. So, oh, maybe he's over there too. Cool. Well, but that would be near the Falcon. But then again, what I could see them doing is that he enters Ogus Cantina and <laughs> inside the, the, the building and just turns around. No, like he comes <laughs> yeah, in yeah, the yeah. back door to enter the cantina. I could see yeah, that yeah, happening. Yeah. He comes and he's the back in the door. cantina, and you're like, whoa, there he is. But then, yeah, I think it's, I think this is great. <laughs> uh, I don't care about the theme park being canon at all. Uh, I think it makes so much sense to have your current most popular characters be present, especially you have a character that can wear a helmet like Kylo Ren. They can have the Pedro Pascal voice or something like it. And there's Mando. They it's have not definitely like, have the Pedro voice that just plays. Which yeah, it's going to be the Kylo friend, Ren like. Yeah, with the, the fingers and the gloves yeah. is what, what phrase yeah. they play. It's All right. Cool. Right. And, and it's like, yeah, I like that they have Ray and stuff like that, but it's like, well, I, I can see with my eyes that's not. I can hear with my. Movie. My ears yeah. that it's someone doing a terrible British even, accent. Even Chewie, you're like, that doesn't... <laughs> but the, the Mando stuff, you're like, that's Mando and Grogu, dude. They're right there. That's them. Yeah. And so yeah. anytime they can get a mass character or a popular droid or something, get them in those parks, man. Oh, I, that's way oh, more immersive than you park. telling me that I'm in canon timeline of 30 ABY or whatever. I got you. Bring them in. But bring park, them in. Bring why them in. not Disney World? I don't... I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around why only Disneyland only. Well, b- before we recorded, Lacey alluded to the fact that maybe they do test runs or something. That's maybe what I think it first. is because they like, do test runs of stuff with like the the calf with Cocoa Puffs on it, like the, the really good coffee that everybody loves from Disneyland just went to, yeah, it is. They just went to uh, Disney World with that, like, I don't know. Right after I mean, celebration. The only thing. Are you telling me the morning Ronto wrap was at Disneyland first? I th- probably the they try everything there. At Disney Park. The the only thing I can think for a test run though is to see like what the characters' popularity among other people are. Because I'd imagine there's less people at Disneyland than Disney World. Um, you got to imagine Grogu gets mobbed. Oh yeah, yeah that guy's I, getting I'm, mobbed. Yeah, but the, but but like test test run usually to me sees like does this sell you know or whatever and i'm like well yeah. it's gonna be i don't successful. even think it's that bring... it could be that they're testing the animatronic in the environment I'm... outside i know i'm saying oh, i guess that's fair yeah I guess seeing that's if fair. it malfunctions and, if you're... That, and that's does it time. work yeah okay yeah and if you're an adult and you're at disneyland maybe you had a little spotchka if there's kids around grogu give them the space Okay. Oh my god! That's Nothing makes for. me laugh more when I see influencers like standing in front of kids, like taking pictures. Oh with my god! And yeah, stuff. yeah. You just d- sit back, take, zoom <laughs> in with let, your camera, take your photo. Let the kids experience who this person they think is real in front of them. Okay, <laughs> but um, all right. So, so what else we got? Uh, well, we get to the Bad Batch is delayed. 
Do you have well, any we didn't talk about the Mando I'd... trailer at all? Well, we're yeah. going to get into the trailers oh, okay. in a minute. Okay. Yeah. But but uh, the Bad Batch being delayed, I have no opinion on that. I, I think it was just like a, a schedule thing. Yeah. Uh, Andor got pushed, so maybe they pushed that. Do you guys have any thoughts on that? They didn't want to wrap it around the holidays. I think it's scheduling. Know. I think they pushed yeah. back Andor. They have so much going on. Getting into the holidays, yeah. like you just said, I think they're just like, let's save this for the new year. Keep subscribers around. Nothing's right. going to hurt it by pushing it back. Yeah. yeah. I. You guys are probably right. I just don't. I don't know. There's nothing. <laughs> You don't normally want things to drop I feel sad because I know James James was looking forward to it because he's doing... Well, it's know, not that I'm looking thing, forward but... to it and it got pushed back. That's not the problem is I don't understand... I said that's part of it. Yeah, I don't understand how it just seems to be so mishandled. Like, it seems like they don't know what they're doing with it. And like we keep hearing, we keep seeing this Disney pl- plus, like they post this image or whatever and it says it's coming in September. And then this other thing says this and this other thing says this and then it's back to fall. And then it's coming soon. And then it's like, like, what are you? What? What's happening with it? Why? Why is this such an issue? And you're I saying think it's scheduling, streaming, they can push stuff around. Whereas when it was on TV originally, like when stuff was on TV, it has to be scheduled for sponsorships and money and commercials. Whereas this, people are paying for it up front. They is this happening with anything else though? They push stuff around all the time, and unlike all the streaming services, they push stuff around. I mean, they delayed you. the. They delayed Skywalker saga movies, you know. I mean, that it happened. Yeah. Um. It, all right. So in terms of the trailers, I'm thinking let's just go in. What are we going to see first? So Andor, well, then Tales of the Jedi, then Mandalorian. Before we even I get there, though, there's um new images of Ahsoka and new images of Skeleton Crew. Oh, and yes. Okay. Yeah, we can knock those out. The images yeah. of Ahsoka, I don't feel like add a whole lot. They're they kind of felt like things we'd already seen. Um, the mural. Yeah, yep. there was the mural where it's kind of cool because now you see the back shot, but then again, it was mm-hmm. also just sort of like a lighting test or something. It wasn't like from the show. Yeah, it was so a behind the scenes. who in the Star Wars galaxy told a biographically accurate version in animation <laughs> of what happened to the ghost crew? That's what I want to know. Because <laughs> that's what we watched with Rebels. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, meta joke, but... Um, <laughs> and then Skeleton yeah, cool. Skeleton Crew Jude Law looked like Jude Law, man. He like, does look like, like Jude Law. Let's just roll him out of his trailer and put a jacket on him. and <laughs> He's handsome, action. so I'll take it. He is. Somehow, he, you know, he started balding 21 years ago, and it just stopped. It's like <laughs> Bill Murray. I don't know what happened, but good for him. Uh, but I, he is a good actor, and I'm, I'm eager to see uh, what he brings to the he, table in that series. We yeah. have a little bit of... Uh, I mean, it's still speculation, but when I look at that image, I now go, oh, well, he's like the hero or he's like a main character. He's the good guy. Like We had speculated it was the kids versus maybe an evil Jude guy. Law yeah. something. But when, looking at this image, I go, okay, he's the captain of the ship and all these kids are with him, which you can see in the image, they're all behind him too. So there's there's like four kids or maybe five or six if there's any behind him, but four visible. Mm-hmm. Um, one on the right looks like an alien kid yeah i mean i might be wrong on that but um and then obviously the like uh job of the hut um it was in mandalorian too like the things coming out they're like passcodes so he's it looks like yeah, he's standing the, like right next to a the ship thing that like looks for the pass the password like blah, 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 the not to a blinky thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah which are also in mandalorian yeah yes yeah. they are in mandalorian yeah. ttyl or whatever um yeah it's yeah it, you gotta imagine that he is uh, either 
like you said, James, with them, or he's like a con artist and he's going to like get them in and then screw them over or something like that. You never know in Star Wars. Sure. Because, uh, you know, like a DJ, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's got his big scarf. He's got a little leather jacket there. and, and Yeah, the kid on the left look, looks like he or she's got like a Han Solo-ish outfit on. A vest. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you're right. That one alien on the right looks familiar. I can't pinpoint it. I don't know if it had, they have... Uh, yeah, it just kind of looks like a blue alien. Gruta tails or whatever. Yeah, yeah, hard to tell, but um, should be interesting. I'm I'm eager to find out what they end up doing with that because it does everything that they're pitching with it, and of course they got uh, John Watts. They got that yep. name yep. right from Spider Man. From yeah. Spider Man. And Favreau uh, at D23 said he cast John Watts because of Spider Man. Not cast, but yeah, brought him in. Well, yeah. you brought him in. Yeah, yeah, and so the very coming of age vibes, um, and I think that's always good for. A Star Wars story, so they should just um, make more about that. John Favreau head of television at this point because he's bringing in all these people, <laughs> he's writing all these stories, he's, he's got overseeing. His casting director, yeah. yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's because it's well, how much, how much did he have to do with Obi Wan though? Because we're getting into like acolyte as well. Not Obi Wan. He didn't. He his team wasn't involved with. Obi-Wan. That's yeah, what I'm, I'm saying. Talking it's the like, new stuff though. So anything oh. connected with the Mandoverse, he's a part of. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I'm not sure if I I. But like they brought him wrong. out on stage when they brought Mando out, who's going to be in Disneyland Park. They brought John Favreau out to talk about mm-hmm. it. But mm-hmm. they they confirmed that Skeleton Crew takes place post Galactic Civil War, right? So this is Return of the uh, Jedi, I think. Yeah, no, this is this is his. This is all this. This is Filoni and everybody. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay, that works. Um. I mean, it, it's interesting. It is very interesting. I was just well, thinking Obi Wan and and um, Acolyte being the two that seem very clearly not part of that at all. Yeah, that's true. Um, no mention of movies, by the way. Before we get into the trailers. Oh my um, gosh! Not, even, not one. Not even Taika's movie. Um, Nothing. And, and 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 Puck News reported that they said you're not going to get a word about the future of Star Wars movies. So no Acolyte to, the, to them. Yeah. Yeah, kind of so Matt Bellany and the team over there um, making a legitimate name for themselves. I know a lot; of, it doesn't roll off the tongue, Puck News, but they've gotten a few things uh, right about what's going on over there. And he's the former editor of uh, the Hollywood Reporter, and he has a great podcast, and he really uh, has a lot of ears to the ground around him about what's going on. And uh, so that's certainly a, a group to follow. Um, Trailers, or is there anything else that I missed? Oh, sorry, nope. they did talk about movie Indiana Jones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, of course, yes, <laughs> Indiana Jones, which they showed the trailer or footage for and uh, did not go public. And yeah. That's fine, but Willow uh, trailer Buzz, did go Buzz, public. Saw that. Yeah, cool. Buzz, Buzz from Indiana Jones. Everyone said they liked what they saw. So, nice. um, let's see, um, but uh, yeah. So to start with the Andor trailer. Uh, I don't have too many takeaways from that one. Um, it does seem that they are focusing heavily on Luthen, sort of being the voice to convince people to take the leap. Yeah. Um. So even Mon Mothma, he's telling her, and she's saying, "Well, there's going to be so many, you know, losses." And he's like, "We those have to are, do this." Those and- are that whole segment though is super tricky because she's talking like three different people in that clip. Mm-hmm. Like it cuts from her yeah. talking to him, then it cuts to her talking to someone else. And then it cuts to him, not even in the same room with her, different background going, everything. 
Yes. So if you're watching yeah. it, you're like, yeah. oh, he's telling her everything's on the line. And I'm like, she just told two different people, two different quotes. And then he told, yelled at someone else. I agree. It's like, I, <laughs> I think we should walk the war. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which again, um, it's, for, it's for dramatic effect. I get yeah. it. But yeah. as someone yeah. who edits videos, I'm watching it and I'm like, you, this isn't even close to tricking people. It's very there, there was some cool yeah. edits too, because there was one where um, somebody was like, uh, I forget there was a line and then Saul comes in and he goes, call it what you want. Let's call it war or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then like in a, in a, I think it was a Luthan. And then that was the conversation back and forth, like in the real actual clip, I'm assuming. And then this later trailer, they just used, let's call it war, like mm-hmm. <laughs> in reference. And it sounds like they're having a conversation, but it wasn't at all. Yeah. It did seem like yeah i don't think there's any misdirection here in terms of like oh is is he really saying that or anything i think they did a sort of montage so to speak to let everyone know like this is what this yeah guy's it's building the tension yeah you're yeah. gonna meet him immediately in the series when you understand what this guy's um motive is Mo- and then it just made me laugh because usually they do it so that it looks like so an example would be last jedi at the end of last jedi it looks like ray's talking to kylo ren but she's clearly not but like the yeah. coloring is the same so it you could pass it off. Mm-hmm. Um, this is like so blatantly in different locations that I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We were watching quotes. We were watching a whole bunch of the Disney stuff coming out, all the different trailers and things. And I saw new Andor trailer, and I was like, cool. So I put it on, and I was like, Andor, eh, everything, everything. <laughs> I know all this, you know. This yeah. isn't anything special. I we do want to. I do want to ask you guys risks. though. Did you get a chance yeah. to see the other clip? I don't think we talked about this. Was it the one from Yet. the movie, the Rogue movie? No, it's the clip of him uh, on looking Plus? like. No. no, 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 not that one either. Oh. It's the one where he's talking to the one guy, and then there's an alien like behind him. Oh, yes, and yes, they yes, like yes. corner him, and he's like, "Are you threatening me?" And he's like, "Who put you up to this?" Did you? Oh, yeah, yes. I saw that. Okay, yeah. I, yeah. Th- again. I think the I was looking sort of like for general reactions on the clip. Like I think I was looking at the comments and maybe a couple Twitter things. Um, but it felt the overall it felt overall positive when it came to that clip because I think people were saying, "Wow, the alien feels real," and it feel yeah. that uh, it felt like they weren't like saying, you know, put stick an alien in there or something like that. It all felt like it was an actual conversation. Felt very Star Warsy. Um and uh, that it wasn't was there good, to say, "Hey, look forth. at the alien." The alien actually had a part. In yeah, the, yeah, in yeah. It, it yeah. felt like a Star Wars movie, unless like a Star Wars TV show. Which Star Wars TV right. show generally the aliens seem more human and just with like facial things more jokey different too. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, this this felt like straight out of like one of the movies or something. It, it felt like there was a. Uh, the first glimpse of humor in Andor. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that's important because when anytime people talk about Rogue One, they talk about um, just how gritty and real and uh, how much of a war and spy movie it is. But it it has its share of humor too. It's not the funniest Star Wars movie, but it has plenty of humor in it. And we hadn't seen any of that in Andor in any of the clips, in any of the publicity or promotions. It was like this is the serious yeah. time right now. They're even now. doing the, so the born legacy director in the call out now. Like they're like spy, 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 drama, yeah. spy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. 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 They. I mean, they want to hammer that home. I mean, they they could even just 
if they wanted to, but I don't know if they would, is just say like, you know, this is the guy who he's the reason why you probably really love Rogue One more than you really <laughs> like Rogue One. Yeah. I but, did have to laugh though, because first of all, I love the music in this trailer because it's so intense and everything with the, the Star Wars theme is beautiful. But I always laugh because the new thing, all these trailers kind of have a formula is um, if they want to drum up the tension, I just imagine the composer pulling out a child's piano and just being like, ding, 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 yeah. ding, ding. And then they're like, da, 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 da. The single note. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was this the one that had the, was it, is it this or the Mando trailer that did the, wow. <laughs> The the Christopher Nolan I like trailer stuff. Every trailer is like ding 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 ding, and then it's like, yeah. do you know what's on the line? Da, 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 explosion. Jurassic World did that recently. Yeah, that's the new thing now. <laughs> and it's um, always John but, Williams music that they're like, let's make it a John Williams, and it's, but intense. Ding 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 ding. I, you bring up a good point because they use the Force theme. It wasn't the Star Wars theme. It was the Force theme. Right. Right. And. I always affiliated that with the Force, of course, and Jedi. And this, like the this show, has none of that in it. Or does so I it? thought that was an interesting choice that they used the Force theme for Andor. It was if, weird. What theme would they have used? I would say none, but they want familiarity. Mm-hmm. And I understand, aside from the excellent usage of the main Star Wars theme in the Rise of Skywalker trailer, which they put it in a different key and made it sound emotional. <laughs> It's a very uplifting, fun theme, and that wouldn't have fit this series. And there's varying ways that they have used the Force theme in so many trailers, so many previews, so many promotions, so many panels and stuff that is a very dramatic theme. One, so I understand why that's a good One kind of surprise here, though, is that they didn't use any of the Rogue Ones. I, I haven't heard any of the Rogue One music. It is interesting. I don't think Chikino's involved at all, and I wonder if that's a thing in his contract. Well, I don't think like, Williams is involved, you know, but I bet like there's licensing that to some degree, like somebody. But remember owns our something. conversations with Natalie Holt about Obi Wan and I agree. Williams had to sign off on some stuff. Yeah, and I agree. What was it so after why, episode like, four? He hadn't signed off. Yeah, yet? yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, yeah, I don't know. I think that 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 stuff is very. Um, case basis I'm i mean but sure, it would be but... nice instead of the the force theme or whatever which is what you're saying is like irrelevant but to hear you know the dun, 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 yeah you know, I, I, maybe I people almost... don't recognize it as much and they're like well we'll stick the force theme in there everybody knows that one you know <laughs> yeah, or does yeah. the music for rogue one fit rogue one because that's that point in the story and this five years ago and the force theme is just always like it, it is forever it's supposed to be forever yeah i don't yeah. know yeah, because they because they use that in the prequels, but and and maybe in 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 trailers versus shows, you, they they have autonomy to use stuff versus like, you know, in Obi Wan they had to get you know, the blessing of, you know, John Williams and by blessing maybe it's even contractual um, allowances. I don't know. Um, Can we get into the Mando trailer? Uh, well, yeah, so Tales of the Jedi. Well, yeah, Tales of the Jedi, um, which I have <laughs> seen biting at the jaw. Dying for this Mando <laughs> yeah. trailer, but that that'll be our final. That'll yeah. be the grand finale to get us out of here. So we're gonna talk uh, Tales of the Jedi first, since that's the next one, and then uh, Mando's coming in February. But Tales of the Jedi, um, do you have any uh, initial thoughts on this? What was your your earliest reactions uh, out of the gate on watching this? And did you watch it more than once? I loved um, it. Where are you at? Yeah, I definitely watched it more than once, which is surprising to me because it wasn't the thing that I was the most interested in, obviously. But mm-hmm. I really liked it. And I thought Ahsoka was adorable as a baby. 
which everybody saw this trailer back at Celebration or something like this, the first glimpse or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting. I'm I I can't wait to see where it goes. But I think it answers that question which we had a while ago, which Matt Lanter put out a tweet that he was being Anakin again, and we all were like, yeah. "What does that mean? This is mm-hmm. what that means." He did mm-hmm. Anakin yeah. for this this short. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, it looks great. I think it's going to be super emotional. They throw it. They threw all the stuff like, "Oh, uh, this is done by the Clone Wars and Bad Batch and everything else." So co-created by Dave Filoni. It's gonna be good. Um. Yeah, James. Uh, biggest takeaways from this one. So. So I'm trying to kind of piece it together too because they say it's six shorts right do we know if they are dropping them all at once yes all all at they once, are yeah. dropping all at once okay yeah um i thought that but then i saw something that made me think maybe that wasn't gonna happen um okay so all at once and then it's six six stories but it's really only or it's six episodes but it's really only two stories right it's three episodes of count dooku three episodes of ahsoka right yeah now yeah. is do we know if there's any sort of um connection between the two? Like if it's like three stories that focus on Count Dooku, which lead into then the birth of Ahsoka? We don't like if I it's, think it's if supposed you to be could one kind of look each. at it as three or as six was, episodes. I thought it was supposed to be one every episode's a different Jedi. That was my takeaway. But I might be wrong. No, my So the premise says each episode of Tales of the Jedi tells a short story featuring Jedi from the prequel trilogy era. The six episodes are split into two paths. The first following Ahsoka, uh, the oh. second Count Dooku. Okay. There's um, your Okay. Yeah. And the first episode is called Life and Death, and it's about Ahsoka's birth. Wait. Okay. Wait. I'm actually, I'm still confused. There's six episodes, but yeah. two mm-hmm. different paths. To the dark side, to the light side with Ahsoka and Dooku. Yeah. So there's three per okay. Ahsoka, three for Dooku. And okay. and who they encounter in that path. So you're going to have Mace Windu and Qui-Gon on, with Dooku's journey. And that guy that got killed in Obi-Wan Kenobi, but then frozen in the amber <laughs> thing. He was there too. What was his name? Oh, I'm um, blanking. Um, frozen in the amber. Yeah. Um, the, I'm blanking. Uh, the old. Yes. Yeah. What is his name? <laughs> his cane is a lightsaber. <laughs> yes. Um, He's it's there. like uh, t- ten tons, tensu, tensu. Oh my god! People listening yeah, are so, like, yeah, ah! no. Tara Sanu. Tara Sanu. Yes, yes. Yeah. Oh my uh, gosh. Um, yeah, and and the cast is interesting. That, that so I, Corey Burton is voicing Count Dooku, and I saw this online after I watched it, and I, I agree, he sounds a lot like Alan Rickman. He does, and it it really does sound like um, Corey Burton's uh. Now I'm forgetting the name character uh, <laughs> that just died in Book of Boba Fett. Um, oh, Cad Bane. Cad Bane. Oh my yeah, god, we are. He, it's been a weekend, guys. <laughs> yeah, it's, it has been a weekend. Um, he Luke Luke Luke, Luke uh, something. <laughs> so do me a favor. Do me a favor. Rewatch the Tales of the Jedi trailer, and when Count Dooku's talking, think of Cad Bane. And you'll be like, yeah, that's good. I hear that. I get it. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Like, I like that you said Alan Rickman, too, because Bayes, to me, always has the Alan Rickman line. The seems awful late to me in Rogue One. Every oh, time yeah. it sounds exactly like Alan Rickman. The, the Inquisitor, too, I don't know if that was the right matchup with the audio and the, and the visual, but the subtitle said this was the Inquisitor talking. The Inquisitor sounds like Corey Burton also. 
So I don't know if you know they do that a lot with animation mm-hmm. where they get people to do. You don't say D. Bradley so. Baker. <laughs> Who's back as Rex? Yeah, but Janina Gavankar is apparently playing Ahsoka's mother. So I thought that was interesting. Oh yeah. Um, and Liam Neeson is is uh at least according to the what I'm seeing here is is doing adult Qui Gon Jinn, which isn't a stretch because he did it for the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there is a different actor doing a young Qui Gon Jinn, which is pretty cool. Um, and then out of the no no Samuel Jackson for Mace Windu. It's uh, Terrence Carson. I don't know if he had previously done Samuel Jackson. I, I don't Interesting. know. Interesting. I would well, have taken pro- Samuel Jackson for doing it. Well, no, but it's probably the actor from the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Because Samuel, Samuel Jackson, Jackson did, he did voice him for the movie, The Clone Wars, but then the series, they Maybe got Maybe they couldn't actor. afford him. Yeah. And then Matt Lanter is back, as you said, Lacey. Uh, and Ashley Eckstein. Uh, which back is great. Ahsoka, Good for which her. Which is great to hear. And they have Yaddle in this? Yeah. Yeah. So, so does George Lucas know that? <laughs> they literally have just started going down his do not use list. Filoni must have <laughs> run it by him, though, because Filoni co-created this and he's popping Yaddle here. He who who did you say was doing this window? Terrence C. Carson? Yes. Yeah, that's the voice from Clone Wars. Okay, so. that's cool. That's cool. That's so cool. Filoni must have, because when he made the announcement that Clone Wars was coming back at San Diego, because I was in the room for that announcement, he had mentioned with a sketch on the screen a sketch of Yaddle and how George was like, I don't talk about Yaddle. Stop talking about Yaddle. So you yeah. know Dave ran we don't something talk by about George. Yaddle. Yeah, basically. Right. No, no. <laughs> yaddle, Yaddle, Yaddle. Um, um, I, I, by the way, like I love Ahsoka, but the Dooku stuff is way more interesting to me. I completely agree. Yeah, yeah. like I, yeah. I'm, I'm cool seeing this and seeing like her birth origin and and you know all that. That's that's neat. <laughs> that's bonus. Um, but to me. If I'd almost be more excited if he told me it was six episodes of Count Dooku, <laughs> you know, I'd be like, Heck so yes, I'm that so, sounds awesome. I'm more hyped for the Ahsoka stuff, especially, really? like, yeah, especially because they have the clip with Anakin where he's like, I'm, I'm just going to teach you to survive because I feel like oftentimes people are like, oh, Ahsoka's so good. She never gets hurt. And I'm like, here she is getting trained by Anakin, which we already knew, but like even more intense that like you're going to really understand. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, what's interesting, too. I saw this online, you know how fans do. But there was a, a very specific clip of uh, I'm going to train you how to live. Right. And in this trailer, Tales of the Jedi, she does like this jump up, spin around. And then when she lands, she gets hit by a stun. And then they paired it up with in the Clone Wars season seven. She does the same move. But when she lands, she turns around and, bu- cool. and swipes the bolt away. Right. So because yeah. I feel like people are so quick with Ahsoka and a lot of other characters to just be like, how did they know how to do that? The, how are they so good? And I'm like, here mm-hmm. you go. Here's how. This is how she gets yeah. it. It does seem, and I don't have many more thoughts on it. I think it looks great. And uh, I'm surprised that, you know, Filoni's involved because I thought he's been fully moved on from animation. I still think he is. I think this is uh, maybe a one-off. But... I think it's because Ahsoka's involved. Can, I think can, he created hey, Filoni, it, but he's not. Can you jump on Zoom from one to three? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't, because it doesn't say who wrote it or anything. So I, I think he created the idea, but it's like, it's like when you see a Star Wars. New it's a movie John Noel Rogue One moment, and it says based on stories created by George Lucas. Yeah, um, and this does say that too, of course. But, um, the Anakin thing when he's like again again and it's it's like all right so they're doing that whole thing to do with the prequels and then the clone wars where they're showing his sort of anger and and i get all that so that feels a little rehashed but it did remind me of i don't know if um another disney movie that uh 
our audience might know miracle um about the 1980 u.s olympic hockey team and i'm thinking about dodgeball he does the exact same thing though he says again again when they keep uh screwing up and it made me think of that and he's just like torturing her but of course it does end up paying off as you say james she learns uh what she needs to do and uh i juxtapose that against that scene we got in obi-wan where uh it's them in like the you know prequel era tackle clones era and and anakin is making mistakes and obi-wan winds up winning that practice duel and we see flash forward later vader still didn't learn from the mistake whereas in clone wars ahsoka did Mm -hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So that's, I think I find that to be very interesting. I'm also pumped to see Matt Lantern and Ashley back. I know we said it before, but just to see them back oh, doing their very characters nice. because yeah, very nice. I'm sure it hasn't been easy seeing these characters progress in live action. Um, so to give them their moment again is really nice. Yeah, especially for Ashley because she was only Ahsoka, whereas Matt Lantern came in after Hayden yeah. played. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so that that should be cool, and and it's gonna be a, a big binge thing. It says fifteen minute runtime. I I'm assuming does that mean each one is fifteen minutes? I would assume or, every one's fifteen minutes because they're shorts. Yeah. Or are they gonna be like shorts, like Galaxy of Adventures, where these things are like no. three? They minutes they wouldn't each. be able to tell tell a story. I don't think. In three I agree. Minutes. I agree. But uh, I, I I'm surprised they're calling them shorts then, because your normal animated series is twenty one minutes, and this is fifteen. So yeah. I mean, there's um, t- there's tons like this trailer could almost use a breakdown in and of itself, like um like Ahsoka being at Padme's funeral. There's so you know, many glimpses. Like, that oh was gosh. surprising to see. That yeah. was very surprising to so see. It's like yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, I like we have so much to talk about. Like maybe we we do something for when these drop. Um, similar to oh yeah, visions D- or there's, something. But. There's plenty more to be talked about when it comes to these. So the last thing to get into here, um, before we get into uh <laughs> the rest of the show, is the Mando trailer. Which I'm just gonna start this one and say, not great, not great, not a great trailer. Oh, and I only say that because the first minute of it, for the most part, is rehash. It's old lines from uh, the season one, season two, the armorer uh, saying, "You are a Mandalorian." No you have more, to remember, there's like people that. that still haven't gotten into it, so they're trying to hook those people that have heard oh, about it that know about I, Grogu that haven't gotten look, into it. I completely get. The approach and stuff like that mm-hmm. but i i'm not sitting at sitting and looking at this trailer saying like oh this is like chewy we're home this is right in that wheelhouse this is that i love that so, everybody uses that trailer as like the baseline of epic <laughs> i mean chewy that's, we're home yeah, that's, that's always big. the words like when you ask someone what trailers are fit you know chewy we're home was pretty big <laughs> and then- it was big and i don't even think that's my favorite trailer but i know that's the one that everyone remembers the most yeah. and how it affected them yeah, but yeah. um i will say it's still, you know, based on all the stuff we saw previously, whether it was at Celebration or other stuff leading up to it, it does feel grander. It feels less claustrophobic. It feels less volume. So I don't know if they did more set-based stuff for this, because like I said, with the Obi-Wan um, behind the scenes, there are more sets than I thought there were. And this does feel bigger. Um I'm going to assume Favreau had this in pl- plan in place, and it wasn't a reaction to like, Oh, what are they doing with Andor? I better push the envelope here. I think he had this plan in place to go bigger and bigger and bigger because of that whole culmination event they keep talking about. I think the they've speculation already been about going the movie bigger. coming. Yeah. Look at I, the sets I, for um episode season two, episode five, like the Jedi. That whole townscape yeah. and then like the yeah. whole fight scene between Ahsoka yeah. and the magistrate, like that was all built with water and everything. That's true. 
True. And yeah. the the things that stand out to me the most are the stuff with Bo-Katan and it feels almost like monarchy, Game of Thrones. She's sitting on a throne. She's like just she's very stoic and she's she's making these like accusations and comments and it feels aggressive and she's looking out the window and stuff like I I really I keep I could be way wrong but I really keep getting these you know Daenerys Targaryen Game of Thrones vibes from her which is mad queen so to speak um I'm really interested in her character more than I have been before um I'm not saying I'm less interested in in Mando and Grogu and stuff but I feel like for those for the for those two um I didn't learn much new other than i guess grog was going to pop inside the main cockpit of the n1 <laughs> which is fine yeah. um but i'm and no moff gideon either but i i i'm very interested in in where they're going with bogatan because i don't know where they're going but it certainly seems like they're taking her into a direction where she may be turning heel a bit and uh getting a little crazy for this dark saber i yeah, saw the the funny thing with um the throne scenes it's like every time I see a scene like that, it just brings me back to so many other movies because that long hallway with the throne oh, up top. Oh, Wizard of Oz, yeah. Yeah, it reminded me of Black Panther with M'Baku mm-hmm. where you like goes mm-hmm. and you see that long hallway with all the wood um, yep. or what was the other thing I was thinking of? I'm blanking now. Uh, like Lord of the Rings where, he, where Aragon walks in and the guy's in the throne in the far end of the room. Yeah. Um, But I mean... We saw it in Zelen, Babu Frick, which from my understanding, from what people have seen in the, you know, very blurry version of the trailer I saw from Celebration, there was a clip of like multiple of that species. But then in this trailer, there was only one. And I don't think that's Babu Frick because Babu Frick has a red outfit and this one has a blue outfit. The subtitles just says in Zelen species. Right. So, so I don't think it's the Frick. Regardless. I'm pumped because you guys know I love puppets. I love like the kind of practical creature stuff. So Mm -hmm. the more that we get to see that, the better. And I Mm -hmm. love that it ties back to the sequel trilogy in a way that even if it's not Babu Frick, it's his species. And I'd love to see more of the kind of things we didn't get a ton of in the sequel trilogy, which I feel is like the creature alien stuff, um, which is what makes Star Wars special. I mean, we were just talking about with Andor, having someone there in a conversation that's a full alien creature is, like, so cool. So I'm yeah. really pumped that we're seeing more of that. I loved the clip of Mando in the cockpit of the N1 Starfighter where he's upside down, and obviously Grogu's with him, not in his his own mm-hmm. little pod, which I love. And then the other thing was him saying, like, are you ready for an adventure? I say that to my daughter every time we leave the house. <laughs> no joke every single time we leave the house i say are you ready for an adventure and then we go and leave the house so i was just like i had a moment where i was like oh i'm mando it's amazing <laughs> <laughs> but other than that yeah it's pretty straightforward very cool very epic cinematic and i took away per usual from d23 and even celebration everything that like disney and lucasfilm are all in on mando john favreau and the Mandoverse. And yes, there's sprinklings of cool stuff like Rebels here and there, Ahsoka here and there, but like their main thing is the Mandalorian from the signage at D23 where Mando was front and center with Grogu and it was like Chewbacca, R2D, or Chewbacca, uh, BB-8, C-3PO, Fennec Shand, and Mandalorian. 
and that yeah. was who was on the poster and it's like that's that is who their mickey mouse is right now for star wars is mando and i'm i'm all for it but it's very interesting because when you see like marvel or avengers stuff you don't see like iron man on every single thing you know it's like all these different right. characters but yeah they're all now, james uh, out of the three of us because me and lacy were uh holding the line for actually ironically the mandalorian experience at celebration <laughs> and so we, we missed uh the panel you got to see it live um top of your head you probably had some time to digest this maybe do a poke some poking around was this marginally different from what was shown at celebration or pretty on the nose um what do you recollect from that and and what were your biggest takeaways from this uh teaser um I th- I want to say marginally different because I I can't think of anything off the top of my head that was crazy different. Um, the one thing I did notice right away was the Bobby Frick thing. Is I I feel like very specifically there was like a uh, from the audience everybody went oh whoa <laughs> like a, like a minute, like it was like a they all cheered for Babu and then they were like there's more or like what what are we looking at kind of thing. So I very specifically remember that. The only other stuff that I feel like was kind of there was I feel like I remember seeing maybe like Paz Vizla and he's not mm. in this trailer. Okay. Um but I but I remember the vibe being um all all the same stuff with the the hallway, Mandalore, all yeah. that. I remember the um It's super uh, interesting monkeys, she calls him a cult. Monkey. Yeah. The I remember the the Quackin monkey lizards in the tree. tree. Yeah. And stuff. So a lot of this felt very similar. So I think the the same vibe is there. They probably just swapped out a couple different things. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if they were like, well, you know, they're not supposed to be recording this anyway. We'll we'll throw in this special treat here and this special treat here, these little mm-hmm. things, and then we'll just replace those shots with what I would say a little bit of a criticism on this one is there's a lot of shots from the same scene or same episode. Where mm-hmm. they visit um, Carl Weathers' like cityscape, and yeah. they're fighting off these like random do batters or something, you know, in the town. Um, I feel like you can almost like put the whole scene together and uh, and know that that's like an entire episode. But I don't know. That that's Thank the only gr- takeaway. But like, I think we've sort of. I think most Star Wars fans have probably seen this through leaked things or something. So this wasn't like a big, huge shock, but it was, it's nice to have it available now. Yeah. Yeah. It was about a less than a minute of new stuff. The N1 flying through asteroids, very big Obi-Wan and attack of the clones against Boba Fett feelings, as well as of course, Han Solo flying through the asteroid field. So That'll be fun to see. There's how, a fireworks uh, shot that I'm certain is probably the last scene yes, in the episode. Yes, I love that. It was very yeah. Naboo with the. Yeah, yeah, that was interesting. I got a feeling that he's going to do something and the city's going to be like, hey, we're free of the people now. And he's whoosh, flies off, you know? He's like, he saved the town kind of thing. Yeah, I have to say that the funniest thing is that I was so sad when the Razor Crest got blown up because I was like, how are you going to top this awesome ship? And then the N1 Starfighter came along, and it's like, oh, forget the Razor Crest. Nobody cares about that anymore. It's like an RV it, now. It is the coolest <laughs> thing ever. And I'm surprised that they haven't put out any sets or anything through Hasbro or Lego or anything. I'm sure it's on the way for for Christmas this year, but. I like the N1 not as much as 
a vehicle where characters can hang out. Ah, uh, like, you know like I mean? the common area type stuff. Yeah, I get yeah. it. I get it. Like, because this is Luke and R2 in the X-Wing. It's not you know? Millennium Falcon hanging out. It's not out. Falcon yeah. I get it. living room. Yeah, so who who knows what that means for the future. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, cool trailer. I, you know, I, I'm, I completely trust Jon Favreau. So he's given us exactly what he wants to give us. I like that he's hiding Moff Gideon away so that we don't really know what's going on but i, I mean, feel like we're not I, getting anything from this trailer they're showing us like very little bits and it seems intense but even then it's all like james said from the same episode if he's yeah. like the only thing he he wants to show us that's new is this is where bo is now yes this is where she's at yeah so i have seen some comparisons there's there's one shot where they do like the rogue one camera strapped to the n1 and it's oh like yeah blowing up there there's like a ship that it's blowing up and as it's kind of passing, if you're kind of like looking at its silhouette, that bigger ship behind it, it kind of looks similar to um, a class of Star Destroyer that existed after the Empire uh, mm-hmm. in mm. Legends canon. And mm. it was all that was all sort of tied to, you know, remnants of the Empire and, and other things. Like I that. love but that they, camera angle, by the way. I love that oh, they yeah, keep yeah. putting that in there. Yeah. Um, but it, but it, if that is in fact the same kind of ship, it will be neat for Legends fans who are seeing that ship come to life. That could mean also, again, like it's all leading sort of to Thrawn and like the bigger, like what is the Empire doing post the death of the Emperor and stuff. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there are there are like little things that you can pick out, but uh, but again, this is what it, it just feels like that you might have seen some of this. So mm-hmm. it's sort of been talked out, and so if. Had this not aired at um, celebration, celebration, we'd be looking at this and we would have a lot more to say about it. But we've already kind of speculated on yeah. the throne room and Bo-Katan and where it's going right. and stuff. Mm-hmm. So we'll get another trailer probably like around Christmas or something. So there's our uh, quick intro. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's our 45-minute intro to the episode. <laughs> but we have more to talk about. So this is a, a almost like a two episodes in one mm-hmm. because uh, we love Star Wars and we love you guys so much. So uh, we are going to send it now to our normal segment to kick things off on the normal Monday scale and talk about the rest of the news in the Resistance Report right now. It's the resistance. All right, the meat and potatoes this week, at least starting off with a big one, uh, is going to be talking all about Ahsoka. Um, so Rosario Dawson is currently uh, doing a lot of promo for Clerks 3. And as it goes, she gets asked about Star Wars. Uh, and this exclusive from uh, Screen Rant, Dawson was talking a little bit of an update on Ahsoka. Uh, saying that you know they're still filming right now and there's a couple months left, but that it's going great and uh, you know some details on how she's really falling in love with the character in the sense of like she understood her before and like you know this and that, but now that she has to be acrobatic to some degree, like this martial arts sort of thing, it's like she's really diving into the personality of the character and understanding her more and more and how that affects her personal life as well. Um, she's saying she's having uh, an, um, a super amazing time. There's there's kind of some funny, uh, lighthearted <laughs> stuff that she talks about with that. Um, but uh, 
to to me, I think this is this is just you know good news uh, coming from Rosario Dawson that Ahsoka is still in the works and everything is good to go on it. Um, John, you actually uh, put together the article when these statements came out. Is that because you're a big Clerks fan or what's going on? <laughs> no, I hadn't written in a while, and I was like, I'm just gonna grab this one. So that's that's what that was. But and I was up earlier than I thought I was gonna be. So uh, the stars align. And here I am. But um, yeah, Rosario Dawson. I always, I was always a fan of hers. Um, you know, dating back to uh, you know Sin City and and uh, Death Proof, which I love. And so we're talking like almost even before that too. You know, almost two decades of of her work. And mm-hmm. she, you know, she's still only in her early forties. But I, I just anytime I see her in an interview, I, I feel like she's very genuine. And I like the fact that she is taking this so seriously because some people could, you know, they have a great resume and they don't need to prove anything. There are some other actors in this cast for Ahsoka, Natasha Lou Bordizo, who isn't a household name like a Rosario Dawson, who maybe has something to prove. Um, She's setting an example for these other cast members. And I think leading from that perspective is a very important thing because personalities and attitude and stuff like that is contagious no matter what industry you're in what social groups you're in you you always um you know contemplate uh breeds contempt and and misery loves company but on the other side on the positive side uh positivity and optimism and stuff like that breeds that as well and also her dedication her saying like i'm falling in love with this character this character has changed my life um, you know, going out on these limbs and saying these bold things is is so cool to hear because again, I I love hearing Star Wars actors wanting to be all in on what they're doing with Star Wars, and uh, for a name like hers to to be doing that is really cool because, you know, I don't know how I don't think you know Woody Harrelson's the type of guy who, or Bill Burr, like he doesn't really think like love Star Wars, but he like nailed his role. But I think he did it more from a, let me knock this role out. I'm going to do the best I can, take my check and go home. And that's cool. I'm cool with that too. But Rosario Dawson seems like she's all in. Like Dave Filoni like convinced her, like, this character is so important. And you're the one who's going to shepherd her into the, you know, the, the bigger audience. The general audience is going to see this character for the first time. And you're going to be Ahsoka. After all the groundwork Ashley Eckstein and Dave laid out, you're the one. And then the martial arts thing, you know, she had brought it up at, at Celebration. And she's got to, you know, sort of bring these lines back around because they have their, their go-to lines to deflect other questions. And I, I, I respect the hell out of that. But I kind of like hearing that because I really wasn't sure what type of Ahsoka we're going to get here. Yeah, we did see her go warrior style in that Mandalorian episode, which was good to see because at the end of Rebels, she looks more of like the, you know, passive, uh, old, wise, big giant robe. I have, I'm holding a staff Gandalf. type of person. Gandalf, Gandalf, yeah, not getting white. into combat. Yeah, you're right. Not getting into combat, so to speak. So I'm like, well, if we're taking off from that, are we getting a more reserved Ahsoka like we saw in Book of Boba Fett, where she's more of like the monk sort of Jedi? Or are we going to get the warrior who's cutting guys up in the woods in that Mandalorian episode? And hearing that she went to like through full martial arts training for this, sounds like we're going to see some serious Ahsoka action in this series. She's not just going to be like the, the, the you know, um, Luke Skywalker, Last Jedi, who is sort of like leading with his knowledge and his mistakes and that sort of thing, like the mental game, she's still going to be right back in the mix. 
and I like Obi Wan really prequels, not Obi Wan A New Hope. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lacey, thought- and I've always been, I've always been, always been a big fan of hers, so I'm, I'm rooting for it. Mm-hmm. Lacey, anything stick out to you uh, in particular? There was one thing. I'll, I'll, I'll get to it in a, a minute. I'll see. Want to see if you pointed out too? Yeah, I think she's just so awesome. I would say amazing, but the way she talks about using the word amazing, I'm like really trying not to use that word ever again Um, because she was like, don't overuse it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I really, really like her. I've liked her from previous projects like Sin City and and Clerks especially. She's hilarious in that movie. Um, Clerks too. But that being said, I think I've said this before with The Mandalorian, her episode was something that I thoroughly enjoyed. And I feel like some people had critiques with that episode. And I really, really liked it. I liked what she did with Ahsoka. And it it made me love the character more than I already mm-hmm. did. And I actually leaned towards that representation of the character over Ashley Eckstein. And I know people are going to get mad for me saying that. But I don't know. There was just something so real to that character in that episode. And there was such a sadness there um, that it was just so cool to see in live action. Um, so I really loved her talking about that and I, I'm sure she gets, she sees their critiques online of like, oh, well, she's not Ashley. No, she's not. And she's not going to be, she's going to make this character her own while also respecting what Ashley did and respecting Dave Filoni, what he's done so far, and then bringing that character into the future of where she goes from here. Um, Mm -hmm. so I really liked her talking about how she physically embodies the character in a real way and she's not just bringing her to live action, but really understanding her process. Like John was saying, this character clearly means a lot to her. I think she realizes that this character and this role is like the role of a lifetime for her and she doesn't take that lightly. Um, and she's been doing the training that's necessary. She is putting in the work to make sure she does it justice and I love that I love that she's showing how important it is to her because I know that we were gonna get a great character already because she's an amazing actress uh but I think even more so the dedication that she's shown and continues to show through these interviews and just talking about it we're gonna get something that we weren't even prepared for like it's gonna be that good um and her fight scenes that we've seen so far have just been really cool so i can't wait to see what's coming next yeah you know i was just real quick i I was just thinking about something like you know the conventions and you see these older actors and they're um like they're they're being announced for new york comic-con and there's always like two or three projects that they put in their next to their name in parentheses She's going to be known as Ahsoka when she's mm-hmm. 75 and mm-hmm. signing autographs and stuff like and she's had such a big career and has played so many great characters uh you know she's like I would say borderline A-list actor and that's going to say Ahsoka Tano Star Wars. She's in Marvel, and, yeah. 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 Mhm. So yeah, it's it's interesting because, you know, I don't want to say everybody, but you know, everybody kind of thinks like, "Oh, one day I would like to get that Star Wars call that they want me to be in Star Wars," right? And sometimes you get the call where they're like, yeah, we want you to be in Star Wars, but it's like not like this crazy role or anything, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. like kind of Ming-Na Wen said that she was like, oh, do I take it? Like, yeah, it's like the Mandalorian, but it's like kind of this random bounty hunter. And I basically die in one episode. Like, is do I really want to risk my 
big Star Wars get on that mm-hmm. one role, you know? On a side She's character. like, maybe yeah. pass on it and get one later, but I'm getting older, so she had to like make this decision. She went for it, and she's so glad she did. But it's kind of like, I think Rosaria Dawson being um, in that same boat of like, obviously having a, a career before this, when, when she sees that, you know, there's this blow up of fans saying, yes, get that person to be, and it's a reputable, huge, well-loved, established character, like, uh, like, like Ewan McGregor being offered Obi-Wan, you know, yeah, we want mm-hmm. you to be the young Obi-Wan. That's a Star Wars get, you know? And I think she yeah. recognized that immediately and was like, yes, like, if I have any opportunity to be in Star Wars, I could wait and let them offer me a role for what comes up. But fans are doing it for me right now. And I would gladly take that one because that's huge. That would yeah. that would cement me forever as Ahsoka um, as that character. And it would be fan love forever. So she, I think she recognized it immediately. And she's taking it very seriously now that she has a job, as John, you said earlier. The one thing I, I now this is just my ignorance when it comes to this stuff. She said she's still they're still filming now and they're going to for a couple of months. But they had already filmed like a ton of stuff when we were at Celebration. That's like a long shoot, isn't it? They were about a month in, I think. Um, so I think this the timetable for these shows, like say eight to ten episodes, whatever it is, like six to seven months is probably right. Mm-hmm. Um, so they probably started. You said March. When was celebration? When April, was celebration? Right? Late May. They probably started. I think okay, they started April. in April. So they'll probably take it to October, November, May, June, yeah. July. Okay, all right. I guess that makes sense. And which, which, which has me thinking, like. Now that we know they don't overlap this stuff, at least right now, Mandalorian is at least going to take us past celebration, like mid-April. And then I assume post-production on this will probably be the same time frame as like the Mandalorian, which that was like seven months. So I'm thinking this wraps in November. They finish production and say like June. I think this is going to be like a summer release. I think this is going to be like sort of like how Obi-Wan was. I think that's when we're going to get this because then I think Acolyte's going to come at the end of next year. So I, I think we're in for a sort of similar time frame as like Obi-Wan. I think like late May. I, I feel like May the 4th might be too soon, um, especially it's the, this show's first season. So they have to like have create their assets for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking like June or something like that for Ahsoka. I don't know about you guys. I think that's I mean, correct. you know better than I, think I do. We're gonna You're always get... good at guessing. Yeah, I think we're going to get a bunch of Ahsoka stuff at Celebration, which is about April. I'm thinking, I don't know, maybe a May 4th. Well, it's. You, uh, see, I thought it was too soon, but. I don't think hmm. they would drop a big show like that on May 4th. That's not what they're traditionally done for May 4th. They've always given us, like, not one yet. small thing. Bad Batch debuted May 4th, didn't it? Or did it... Uh, it did. It, it did. Yeah, you're right. Maybe animation's not you know that the tier they're talking about. For but that. I'm saying, maybe well, they're clearly this not treating Bad Batch well right now. We're gonna get the full trailer though at Celebration. You know, I that. think it depends honestly what the Marvel schedule looks like because they've mm. had some problems where there too. is a lot of That's overlap, yeah. and then they shift stuff around. Yeah, yeah. So, so the, yeah, there's the, well, we have a lot to get through. Like for instance, like Andor and Bad Batch releasing mm-hmm. at the same mm-hmm. time question mark mm-hmm. we don't know you know they just recently put out she hulk on thursdays so if disney plus is willing mm-hmm. to make a move like that maybe 
one of these shows shifts to Thursday release, so you get, you know, uh, Andor on Wednesday, Bad Batch on Thursday, or something like that. Um, but then the other thing is that uh, Ahsoka will obviously be like the next big release by the time Celebration comes around. So that's they're going to be full force Ahsoka at that point. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. That would be their that's next big show. Uh, Mandalorian will have just wrapped, and so they're, they're clearly going to be leaning into that show next, right? Yeah. Anyway. I guess we'll see. Yeah, let's yeah. let's move on to the next thing here, which is uh, Genevieve O'Reilly uh, talking about Mon Mothma and Andor. She's doing a little bit of press for it as well. Uh, this one comes from Entertainment Weekly. Um, th- some of these magazines get like the craziest articles and interviews, and sometimes they just kind of get like, I don't want to say overlooked, but um, you know, like sometimes they'll do one with uh, Cassian or with uh, Diego Luna, and that gets all the attention. But Genevieve O'Reilly also doing, like, you know, it's kind of one of those things. Um, but it, but this article is really interesting when it comes to how she looks at the character and has always looked at the character that many times she's gotten to play, um, play her. Uh, she always refers to the original and, you know, now that we're going to see more of Mon Mothma than we ever have, it's, it's oddly kind of become like her role. Uh, and where she, what she wants to do with it, and where she's going to take the character is uh, what you get to see. You know what you get to hear about when you read the article. It's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, Lacey, any thoughts uh, on what she has to say about Mon Mothma? Yeah, I mean, this show is just looking so good. <laughs> it's looking so good. But every interview I read, it's just an interesting take after interesting take of characters that we know and ones that we haven't yet met um with this one in particular i love how she describes mon mothma in a way i didn't really see her before she talks about the character having this kind of pain that she's with like dealt with and i always kind of took that as kind of a resilience more of like a very professional like to the point commander you know general of this rebellion that's trying to uh make things happen and stay strong for everybody around her but now that she's saying this way yeah that is definitely a way you can view that character in those movies of like just the sadness of the sacrifice and in the steps people had to take to get them the information they needed or the people that they've lost around along the way the interview here and ones that i've read previously she definitely has an interesting take of what we're going to see in this series, which is her obviously playing both sides, her realizing what's at stake, um, her being married, which I I didn't know she was married until this I, point. Dude, I, that one was the one line where I was like, whoa, like, I don't know if that's known. And in I think she was married not. since I think she was married since she was like 16, too. Like it's like a young marriage. Oh, maybe I had read in a previous interview, which is. But when I when I I saw that in the interview, I immediately was like, I've never I don't think I've ever considered her husband and how he falls or consider Right. And considered what sacrifices did she make to get to the position she's in for the rebellion when we see her later in the timeline? Um, This show is going to, you know, Tony Gilroy said it a lot in his interviews, and I think we're going to keep thinking that going into it is we're going to see a whole new view of a lot of these characters and a lot of the scenes that we've seen in Rogue One and the original trilogy that are going to mean that much more. 
And I think this is a character that we're just going to really gravitate for to and, and learn so much about that I'm like really excited outside of just her clothes. I know I've made jokes in the past of like, oh, she mm-hmm. looks so great. I think we're going to learn a lot about this character in a way that I wasn't expecting. I I said it a while back that I was like, man, the more that we that she gets brought up in like a book or a comic or an animated thing or whatever, I'm always like, man, I feel like I'm like a sneaky Mon Mothma super fan. Like I think that her being <laughs> in this show is absolutely perfect. Like, yes, uh, she is the head of the rebellion, and what what does it take to lead that? Especially from, you know, we know in um, Rebels that there there's like literally a point where she sends out the message. She's like, there's no going back now. I've announced that I'm part of the resist- or the rebellion and I'm out of the Senate now. So you're a Mothma maniac. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Um, <laughs> a maniac? A maniac, yeah. Um, the, uh, the other <laughs> thing that I thought was really interesting about this was what you said, Lacey, about how she... Uh, has that coldness, like what's kind of I always just took it it as like a resilience, as like a very professional vibe. (laughs) But now that she's saying like it's pain, I'm like, oh, I totally like over my head. But that, but that's good because to me, I I already felt that way. So to her to verbalize it, she goes, "Yes, Mm -hmm. this is what Mon Mothma is." I go, "Great, that's great news because you get it and you understand that that's where she's Mm -hmm. coming from." Mm-hmm. I, there's been other times in canon where she like sits down with a specific character and explains things similar to Leia, like in The Last Jedi, where everybody's cheering. We took down a, a dreadnought, and she's at looking cost, at the yeah. screen of like all the the dead soldiers, and she's like, "I like every victory comes with loss, and I'm the one that sends the personal message and visits the people and and has to tell them that we lost their son," you know. So that coldness that comes to victory um, is very important uh, in a character like Mon Mothma, who stands even higher than Leia on the rebellion, like, you know, I'm ready to have my eyes opened to a lot of these characters in a way that I didn't expect. Like, I'm ready to be like, oh, wow. Like the whole series, because I know that's I, what's going to happen. I know there's going to be a billion fans out there that watch this show, learn this character, and then go watch Return of the Jedi and be like, oh, that's her. Like, I never even put that <laughs> oh, together. Yeah. Sure, like, sure. that was just random white lady, <laughs> you know? Like, I say that because it's her clothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Not... <laughs> I always thought, I always like consider her like not Leia. Yeah, yeah. Some <laughs> other lady, she, lady, like she's the one wearing all white now, and she's Bowl like the new Leia. Like when I was a kid, I was like, lady. she's like the yeah, exactly. John, um, thoughts on this particular interview? Is she on the right page in your mind? Like, what's going on? Well, I appreciate that she like looked into Caroline Blackiston, who, uh, you know, again, you know, not a name that people would fire off in you know movie trivia or anything like that. Sure. But, uh, clearly someone who studied acting and had her own professional career and uh you know got herself into star wars and it's funny because i looked up an old interview with caroline blackston who's still alive by the way i think she's like 89 or 90 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which side note i feel like they they, they could have brought her in for the sequel trilogy for a little bit like that would have been really cool to see an older mon mothma like retired like just like for some advice or something like that and bring is she back dead original actors but 
I just told you she's alive. No, I'm saying the act, the character. As far as I know, no. No. She, like, uh, like, like sort of left the scene, and uh, pa- Patrick, Pat Covey, our old pal, like, yeah. filled me in on the on the deal. <laughs> okay, yeah. On Twitter. But he's always, he always knows those, like, little minute things. But I yeah. guess they bring her up in Bloodline or something like that, and what, what, her, what her story I is. Like, I, like, I remember that, but I, I didn't know if, if there had been anything, like, that had specified how she died or what happened to so, her or something but i i just that, that would have been cool if they just brought you know they were desperate why not why not go to you know the the political version of yoda and, and get get her thoughts on what what should happen like that would have been cool to see you know an older leia having a conversation with an even older mon mothma like she, like leia still needing to learn or something um but they didn't and that's fine um but back to this um it's funny because you you really cannot make the argument that they don't care about you know creating these characters. And when I say creating these characters, they really are creating Mon Mothma's character here because you know in that interview was that it was from 2006 with Caroline Blackiston, and she was like painting the picture of her whole experience uh, filming Return of the Jedi, and I didn't know any of this. Um, but they like changed her lines the day of, and. She was already having a hard time with all the Star Warsian jargon that Lucas would pop in there, obviously with Lawrence Kasdan writing. Um, and she was very nervous and like Harrison Ford had to like calm her down and Carrie <laughs> Fisher had to calm her down and stuff like that. And this is a seasoned act, act, you know, actress who was in her late 40s. She probably already did so much work already. And she said she had no idea who her character was. She just got her lines and delivered them. Um, so when then when I read Genevieve O'Reilly saying like, you can tell she had this like somber tone. I'm like, yeah, she's probably just like <laughs> shaking at the knees that she was getting her lines right. Mm-hmm. But it worked. So and that's fine. And I guess my main point is that now you have Genevieve O'Reilly, who's going to be probably more known for playing Mon Mothma just because of the amount of minutes she'll be on screen. Uh, still respecting that small cameo in Return of the Jedi as the template for who this person is mm-hmm. and then creating a personality based on how she delivered those lines about Bothan spies while standing next to a guy with a Velcro beard. It's just amazing how Star Wars, how they've, they've made it more serious, but in, in an earnest good way that I think is going to pay off because I think it's key for Mon Mothma to be here. I don't think this is some sort of thing like, let's just bring in Mon Mothma. It, it is very mm-hmm. important to the story of the rebellion, but they're like really going for it with this character stuff. And I think that's 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 really perfect for this show into Rogue One and what the what the you know tone they're going for. So I, I, I'm all about it. And the fact that she brought up her name and she actually looked into who she sure. was and stuff, I have a lot of respect for that because I'm sure there's plenty of small role Star Wars characters that are gonna be recast on the line and, and that actor's not gonna even care that that character existed before. So uh, a lot of respect for for her to to do that level of homework and also it's a nice little redemption for her because she got cut out of revenge of the sith so she's been i mean she playing mon mothma one, for don't forget right but she's been playing mon mothma for 17 years yeah 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 and and yeah rogue one of course and this is sort of like the the redemption of that and i think that's cool they brought her back because they didn't re- they didn't have to they could have brought in a completely different actor like no let's get let's get, bring her back who who did that stuff uh with george lucas yeah, um, I was going to say, too, that, I mean, even that line that she's saying she's going back to research that moment in that line, um, it, it it goes to show what we're talking about, the coldness of it, because she's she's standing in front of everybody and she could be saying, like, 
hey, we got the information we need. Isn't that great, everybody? Get excited. All right, now we let's move on to the next step. She just stands there and says, people died. Like, I, I want you to understand that. Yeah. Everybody in this room, recognize for a second that many people died to bring us this information. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. kind of thing. It's like, very, it's very heavy. And she's recognizing the cost of the war and then saying, but we have to move forward kind of thing. Will it, I, we it, see Bothans? Yeah. I don't think we will. I don't no, think we're no, ever no. going to see him. I, I hope yeah. Bothans go the way of like Yoda's origins. And it's like one of those things where we just don't, you just never don't know. Need to Imagine know. that's in George's contract. He's like, no Yoda, no Bothans. <laughs> That'd be interesting. We got one other story too. No Mara Jade. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, this story is fires. We're talking about Ryan Johnson looking back on the last Jedi, Mark Hamill's reactions to the movie, Carrie Fisher's passing and more. Um, so much that went on in this empire article as, uh, they sort of broke it into two things. They're like, Hey, look, look, come here and talk about glass onion. That's great. Uh, we have that article, but also could you do like a, a perspective on star Wars? How are you feeling about it as of now? And a lot of, uh, crazy quotes. I don't know if they like lit up Twitter or whatever, but some of the stuff saying like he's even more proud of it than he was before. I just thought we should probably take a little bit and kind of talk about some of the maybe the keys or uh, key moments, takeaways from this particular article. Starting with John. John, where were you at? I did the John John thing. Uh, starting with John. John. <laughs> um, um, Ryan Johnson. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Like, I, I didn't come out of this interview feeling any, like, different on his perspective because I feel like the director and the Jedi, like, we really got to see how it really went. So I think a lot of that, and probably unbeknownst to him, he he is recollecting things probably accurately um, in terms of his experience because he probably made that movie and walked out of it thinking like, wow, I, I did it. I nailed it. I came in under budget. I came in on time. Uh, everyone, you know, Kathleen Kennedy loves what I did. Uh, you know, I got Mark Hamill on board and he, he turned out that performance. This is going to be great. They just gave you know, me another trilogy. He, <laughs> then the movie. Yeah. That, well, well, no, that happens later, but then the movie comes out and he probably like, that happened before the movie came out. Uh, well, I'm saying when he finished making when he finished the movie. the movie. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I think he was probably blindsided by the reaction to it. Um, and I, I also think J.J. Abrams was blindsided by episode nine. I think J.J. Abrams thought he crushed episode nine based on the interviews. Like, I think everyone's going to be satisfied, all that stuff. And then I think he, he did not expect that reaction. So I think Ryan Johnson dealt with a bit of the same stuff. I, I don't know if I need to hear Ryan Johnson talking more about Mark Hamill, though. Um, I, I just think it's one of those things where they'll never agree on it. Um, I have heard from people who have interviewed Mark Hamill saying he hates that movie uh to this day and (laughs) it's not gonna change and i just don't know that we need ryan to try to justify the choices we understand his choices and i respect his choices as a filmmaker i think he's um, uh, brilliant i mean look what the guy's doing right now and uh everyone's so white hot for glass onion and i think that's going to be incredible too um so you know again there's nuance to it it's not just oh i don't like ryan johnson um, cause I really like the last Jedi. Um, it's not one of my go-to to put on because it doesn't, you know, bring me that much like joy. And, um, I like more of like the star Wars, like adventure type stuff, but I do like that it exists and that, that it's part of the saga. 
And I wouldn't, um, at this point change that, but I don't know if like hearing him say, like, I got to choose my words carefully and stuff. It's like, then don't say them. Like, like go, like, I would tell them, go watch that documentary, that three hour documentary they put out of us making the, there it is right there. Um, I know people want to get him to talk about this stuff, but he clearly seems like he's walking on eggshells to this day, five years later and talking about this movie and the Mark Hamill stuff. If we're go it's like, it's like if you go through a breakup and your ex like moves across the street and that, that scab just keeps getting ripped off every time you see them. I, I don't know that we need to revisit, you know, the choices and like how Mark feels about it and how Ryan feels about it and all that stuff. Because don't we all know that stuff? Like, are we all tired of that to the point where we heard so much of that for the two years that followed The Last Jedi? I, I could be wrong, but I feel like like Star Wars fans, especially online and social media, never recovered from The Last Jedi. Whether you love the movie or don't like the movie or you think the movie's fine, it just like, once December... It like, was definitely TFA, a it, turning point. For yeah, the, like yeah. TFA, the hype to TFA was like serotonin shot out of a rocket. And like TFA comes out, almost everyone's like, oh my God, that's incredible. Could have used more Luke. Can't wait for the next one. Rogue One comes out, people are like, oh my God, my face is melting. This is unbelievable. I can't <laughs> believe they did that. Vader, holy cow. The plans, it goes right into, oh my God, this is amazing. They're killing it, Le yeah. <laughs> Last Jedi comes out and then it just, war. War happens and fans took their sides and stuff. And I don't think it's ever gotten back to that point. Um, so anytime these types of interviews come out, I get nervous and you see it online and people just rehash those old arguments. And it's just, I, I'm just wondering when is it going to end? Um, so, and I want Ryan Johnson to be a happy guy making movies and stuff, whether that's in star Wars or not. Uh, he's a talented guy. He seems like a nice enough guy. Uh, I, I don't know that this is good for him to go back and revisit this stuff. So that's my initial take on it. You know, I, I'll pop back in if, if you guys toss around things that mm -hmm. um, trigger a thought in me, but I, I, I just don't, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't need this sort of let's go back and, and let me explain why I did what sort of thing. Like we know why you did. So mm -hmm. Lacey, did this article do, I don't know. I hate to say use such cliche words, but did this article do anything for you? Did you gain mm -hmm. anything? Did you learn anything? Did it make you mm -hmm. more angry? Like what, what did it do? Did it make me well, I'm saying like, yeah, you know what I mean? He's really setting the bar here. Um, <laughs> all right. So here's, here's my thought. My thought is one, they did this part to get clicks and to sell magazines that they knew sure. that get getting Ryan Johnson to talk about this, whether you love him or hate him, you're going to read it. So well done there, Empire. <laughs> part two. Um, I think Ryan Johnson made choices that he thought worked for him. And I've always been honest about this. Um, I think there's a ton of stuff in The Last Jedi that I loved. I loved the Kylo Ren stuff. I loved the Rey stuff. Um, I loved some lines from Leia and, and moments with Poe. I don't like some stuff in the movie. You know, I don't like Finn's storyline very much. And I don't like what they did with Luke. And that's just my choice. Now, I think that there's definitely a level uh, on the internet of not liking something and being crazy about it. And I think he gets into that in this interview, which I kind of appreciate that he said, hey, look, I know that there's definitely levels here. 
And he said he grew up at a time when people watched Star Wars and didn't agree on everything. And that's what made it so awesome, which I totally agree. That's what's so awesome about Star Wars and the fandom in general is when we all have different viewpoints and experiences and likes and dislikes, that's what makes it interesting. That's what makes it transcend just watching a movie and it becoming a part of this culture, this this fandom, this community of people that are experiencing it differently. And just between the three of us, we have so many different viewpoints. Love that. I have to say, just like John, I didn't like him talking about Mark Hamill. I thoroughly enjoyed Director and the Jedi. I loved the Skywalker Legacy behind the scenes documentary as well. I am not even exaggerating right now. I sobbed watching Director and the Jedi because of Mark Hamill. Because here was a guy that was my, I mean, he still is, but was my childhood hero. I grew up loving him. He was basically everything that made me love movies and and basically gave me my imagination. Like Luke Skywalker is that hero for me. So to see what Mark Hamill went through um, was hurtful as a fan because I was like, here's someone that is probably... I knew he was so excited to be back in Star Wars and it's not going the way he wanted it to go. Now, that's not to say that I think that Mark is the person that should make those choices. He's not the storyteller. I Mm -hmm. get that. But in going in these two paragraphs where he talks about Mark and how he would argue with Mark and go back and forth with Mark and the part where he says things like, you know, Quote, but he's Mark Hamill. He's not literally Luke Skywalker. To me, as a fan, even though I love Ryan Johnson and I love choices that he made with The Last Jedi and I love the other stuff that he's doing, can't wait for Glass Onion, that statements like that rub me the wrong way because I'm like, yeah, he's not Luke Skywalker, but he is Luke Skywalker. Like, he, that's who he's been for 40 years. Yes, he's been Joker. Yes, he's been other characters, and he's done an amazing job at those characters. But he is what makes Luke Skywalker so great, and he's embodied that character on and off screen. So to say comments like that kind of rubs me the wrong way in the sense of like, oh, well, he's not Luke Skywalker, so I can then do what I want with the character. And it's kind of just like, oh, I don't know if I agree with that statement because you kind of want people to be on board. Now, as he goes into it, he says, you know, Mark didn't agree, but he said he would give me the best performance ever. And Mark absolutely did. It, it was he was amazing in The Last Jedi, whether he liked the way it went or not. Um, but yeah, I agree with John. I, I just don't want to I don't want to open up that wound and this interview I feel like did that specifically but I loved the other bits and pieces he gave but the Mark stuff it just seems like it's like you don't need to rehash it you don't need to bring it back up you don't need to argue your point we know why you did what you did and you stood by that statement and a lot of fans really loved it um but I did appreciate him saying that just because you didn't like it doesn't mean you're wrong Because I think a lot of fans were rubbed the wrong way by him and other fans by saying, oh, because I didn't like Luke Skywalker, I'm not a good fan. And he's like, no, 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 that's not what I'm saying. It's when you get abusive and toxic that you're not a good fan. And I agree with that 100%. You're allowed to not like a movie. Explaining that aspect of it. Absolutely. Don't you you think that. uh, 
I don't know if I like the idea of big movie directors being so within arm's reach, um, proverbially from. Like, I think bands. that's just the world we live in now. Unfortunately, it's just so not touchable. Always. Like you can just kind of reach out to people. Like I saw today, some guy has a football player on his uh, <laughs> draft team, and he sent him this like joke message that was like, "You better." play your best games ever because i have you on my team or something it's just like really weird we live in a weird world right now it's not i agree but and and i make this parallel just because of like how each person handled those particular situations and for me i always do jj abrams and ryan johnson and you know jj abrams got death threats for episode nine and you know how do you do this to ben solo and I can't believe this is how you ended the saga with Ray taking the name and stuff. And I even had an article talking about, you know, fans who were positive and defending Ryan Johnson, who wound up becoming the villain, so to speak, and and doing the exact thing they hated uh, when uh, episode nine came out. And some of those tweets were like, I have two bullets for JJ Abrams just in case one misses. And it's just like, it's because words have lost meaning. I mean, that's the bigger psychology of, but he never he he never engaged it though right he never went online and and talked about it he didn't talk about it in interviews yes he did the only thing he the only thing he ever said was if they didn't like it they're completely right oh yeah that's what he said yeah he said they have every right to feel that way and that was it and then that ends all the questioning i feel like ryan like he says things like the nerve endings are burned off and now I'm numb to it. And maybe that's a bad thing. It's like, dude, just stop even talking about it. I think think that's a, yeah, that's a personality thing because like you are going to have letting them know that they're, that you're, you're paying attention to them and they're getting to you at least to the point where you observe them and acknowledge them. And that's mm. fuel. That's not snuffing out a fire. That's adding fuel to it. Mm. But I think That's that's emboldening people. But in, in this particular case, John, it feels like that you the reason you're thinking that way is because you agree with how JJ is handling it. But another person in another conversation would be like, I think it's ridiculous that a director doesn't even try to engage fans or, or learn anything about them on Twitter. They just like put it out and say, like, screw it, I'm done, walk away and don't even don't <sighs> respond to any of that stuff. It's like at least some of these other directors are at least open and and you know, having the conversations with their fans, like social media is about that. I mean, you know, dude. It's a, but I'm saying I'm, I'm giving the other perspective of like, you know, I think you agree with how JJ handled it, but I don't Steven think Spielberg I don't trading think barbs with some guy the wrong way to handle it over like ready player one because he used the wrong DeLorean or something like that would never happen. I think there's, there's levels here of like engaging with fans that are trolling you is different and like dunking on people probably not necessary but on the side with james i agree that it is something cool to be able to communicate with directors producers i'm not saying that no i know but he's kind of arguing both ways where it's like i'm saying i think the reason your opinion is so strong on this that you know ryan shouldn't be doing that is just because i think you agree with the way that jj that's your personality type you feel like directors kind of should be a little bit more like above that in some degree or whatever. Yes. Yeah. And, and I'm saying I, I, you know, that's a fine stance to have, but it's just, it's a, um, it's just an outlook on like how things should be, you know, like, (laughs) I don't know. These people should or should not do this. Yeah, exactly. 
but it but but also like i don't know i mean i like james gunn goes back and forth with people all the time the, Taika i mean does. yeah i mean i don't it, mind you look at any like anybody look. like any professional stance like uh, whether it's a politician like some are going to be very vocal and open on social media and another politician is going to be like i understand no, like i don't want to use social but media if like, i'm, I'm running star wars i'm telling my directors like dude like what are you doing like you're responding to uh, you know Sheev six nine six nine who has uh, eight followers because they called you a, a a soy boy or something. It's like what are you doing, dude? Well, I don't think that's what he's even. Whereas James to Gunn, in this article, James he's... Gunn, like I don't mind what he does, which is like debunks articles from news sites that say something completely fabricated about his movie. I think that's cool. That's cool because you're like, here's the facts. That didn't happen. This did happen. Fine. But when it comes to like what Ryan was saying, like, and he learned from that experience, but then he also adds that thing like, now I'm numb to it and now it doesn't bother me anymore. And it's like, but you're saying that. So you still think about it. And it's just like, I want him to be able to put it be past him, especially if he's going to come back to Star Wars because he knows it's not going to get any better when he comes back. He was going back and forth a lot with fans after The Last Jedi came out. That's the other thing, too. It wasn't. It was a lot, but but I, yeah. what I'm looking at here is in this. I'm interview, rooting for him. He, I, I'm trying to say that you know he's saying he he's being asked the question of like, like dude, how do you not like just hate yourself? Like how do you ha- like most people right. close down your account? Any yeah. sort of criticism online, sure. and you took a ton of it. How are you still like okay with that? How are you still able to handle? all mm-hmm. that hate all the time because we've had right. other directors that gotten like some comments one night and it was just like blowing up their Twitter one night. And they're like, I'm never doing star Wars because I don't want to have anything to do with that. How are you handling this? And he's kind of answering that question. Like my brain has become numb to it. It's, it's a wall now. Like these yeah. negative comments are hitting me and he's right. just like explaining it. I, I, I feel like in some times, <laughs> When I listen to Ryan Johnson talk about The Last Jedi, it's very much like he's he personally feels so right about this that maybe you know how when an argument you go around in circles, you're like, <laughs> maybe if I maybe I'm not explaining it right. If I could just explain it a different way, maybe I could win you over this time. And that's never going to happen because that other person has just completely made up their mind. That's what's going on is he always feels like maybe he could just retell it from how maybe this perspective of like how I was handling it. It was scary. I didn't want to do it, but I I had I to. I too, knew I had to. And he's trying to re-explain it in hopes to maybe win some of those people over and get them to stop doing this stuff. I but get it, James. They're never but going to. So why? Right. And there's also a, there's also a side of this, James, that is kind of not in this article and probably never will be, is not only was he engaging with people who were saying negative things, but he was also engaging people that were always saying, Ryan's right and here's why. And here's why you're wrong if you don't agree with me. So by ing- agreeing with those people and highlighting those creators that are saying, here's why everything Ryan Johnson did is the best thing ever and everything you feel about it is wrong. Yeah. He's saying that even the people that fall in the in-between of saying, hey, it's not my favorite movie, but it was okay, are also wrong. You there's know what a, I mean? Like, he, he made yeah. choices early on 
online to engage with certain things and to make certain stances. And I'm not saying it's wrong because that's his journey, so to speak. Like that's mm-hmm. his choice. And I respect that choice. But there yeah. is kind of an anxiety for me as a fan of him being involved with Star Wars still of saying like, okay, what is that online landscape going to look like when this starts up again? There, there's a there's a slight error and it might be um, inadvertent or unintended. But when you do stuff like that, there's an air of pretentiousness to it. Sort of like they're saying like, you just didn't get it. Oh my you gosh, that get... is the worst when people say things like that about any pop culture stuff. Like, oh, if you didn't it, like this, I will, I it. lose my mind. Because <laughs> uh, I'm like, I think I get it more than you do. I just, uh, I just don't need to tell people. And how that's it is, not just this. Assume... That's like any anything. Like, oh, I, you watched this and Marvel not saying... movie and you didn't like it. You didn't get it. Yeah, and, like... and I understand all the choices Ryan Johnson made, and he wanted to like re-explore the myth of Luke Skywalker, and and he wound up fortifying that by the end by having Luke do something that no Jedi ever did. And right, selfless. I, yeah. I understand. I understand all that, but I also understand that people's hearts were ripped out of their chests seeing Luke go that way. So it's not all like you're either on my side or or you're on their side or anything like that. Like I like the Last Jedi. I can also at the same time criticize some of the choices he made after this movie came out, which is ironic because as we talked about last week, it's the only movie that didn't have problems when it was being made. The problems came after the problems with this were the PR stuff after the movie came out. Yeah. So I, I, I just want, I want this to be able to be moved on from. Uh, I'm not saying like it's saying like saying the last Jedi is saying like Voldemort or Beetlejuice three times or <laughs> something like that. But I want to be able to talk to people like I do a celebration about the last Jedi where you can like walk, walk up to somebody or even if you're at the, you know, wherever and be like, do what, you know, did you like that? Uh, that second one they did? And I'd be like, yeah, I did. Um, and they'd be like, ah, oh, I hated it. All right, cool. And then you just move on. <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's the social media stuff. And, and if people can like, realize how ridiculous it really is uh how people engage with it maybe we can move on but i I just yearn for the the pre-december 2017 star wars fans online situation because it it really hasn't recovered from that and and i feel like people have chosen sides and and really dug their feet in the sand and then applied it to other things like i'm a favreau guy i'm a kathleen kennedy guy when they don't realize that they're all on the same studio Mm mm-hmm and I mean, you can sort of take some of this stuff in bubbles too. Like there are periods of times where we're all excited about Mandalorian season two, you know, or and Andor. it seems like, yeah, it doesn't seem like very many people are on the like, screw that, that the, the director of this show sucks, yeah. you know, and it's going to be complete garbage. Like, I feel like there are times when like the community community still feels very positively about the next project that's coming up. But it is it is one of those things like I don't know that I don't know that Last Jedi and really like I don't think anybody's like super negative on Solo either. But like I don't either. I don't know why people say that. Yeah. So it really <laughs> feels like the only thing in fandom that has been any sort of controversial is eight and nine. Yep. Yeah. Like if eight and nine didn't, if they just and delivered, we, everything would be well. Yeah, true. But I don't really feel like people were like, well, I guess maybe Some they Boba were Fett diehards. I think got mad. Um, yeah, but maybe. even Tamara Morrison said he wants to do more Boba Fett stuff. So you know, um, I I didn't get to bring it up, and I don't want it to go down a whole thing. But like, I am very curious, like 
how influenced fans were by Mark Hamill specifically. Like Mark Hamill is right in his opinion and that's totally fine. But just just for fun, had he been someone who was like, yes, I get it right from the beginning and the whole time they were making the movie, he they praised would have turned on it. Him. You think? Yep. I don't know, man. It seems, yeah. uh, I don't know. I mean, they even... care about Luke Skywalker more than Mark Hamill. They, they would say he got old and, and didn't. Fr- the fans turned on George Lucas. Why wouldn't they turn on Mark Hamill? They would have said like, oh, he got a paycheck. He's being paid to say this. George Lucas lost his way. Marsha Lucas was what held it together. He wrote it himself. He was never a good writer. He was a bad writer. Well, All well, that stuff I'm, came out I'm to also the saying king. Too, I'm the also maker. saying too, he was saying that stuff leading into Last Jedi. So people were yes, going into yeah. it negatively. Had they gone into it like, oh, Luke Skywalker himself, Mark Hamill, totally down on this movie. Maybe even walking into the movie, they would have had a different, they wouldn't have already had a, a wall up. I, you maybe know? he prepared them for, for, for what they got, though. Like, if he went in saying, like, oh, wait till you see what Luke does in this movie. This is it. And then they see that, and they're like... <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know, man. Well, anyway, it's it's topic for another day. Mark um, Hamill shows up to the, all the interviews with, like, a black robe and the green lightsaber. He's like, Last Jedi, baby. Wait till, you, wait till December 15th. Oh, baby. I don't know, man. I think I think influences is very strong. So if you guys agree with me, let me know on Twitter. Like, get, get, let's have that discussion. But and if uh, you agree with me, let me know on Twitter. Well, that's fine. Or just in the comments. Yeah. You don't have to go to Twitter. Yeah, well, um, that's it for Resistance Report this week. Uh, Lacey, what is going on next? All right, guys. It's time for the Patreon pod race. So there are lots of ways you can support us. You can like this video, comment, subscribe on YouTube, ring the bell for notifications so you don't miss a video. You can follow us on Twitter at RBATSWNN or on Instagram at The Resistance Broadcast. We're also on Facebook and all the audio platforms, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Please leave us a review. It really helps us out. But if you want to support us in more ways, including becoming a part of the TRB community, you can head over to Patreon.com slash resistance broadcast starting at just two dollars a month that's it two dollars not many things you can get for two dollars nowadays uh you can get us for two dollars uh extra videos every week you get a double cheeseburger for two bucks or us for two (laughs) dollars yeah um and as you go up in the ranks in your pledge amount you get more access including discord servers and much more we are revamping the patreon that's coming soon but for now uh, you're getting all the cool stuff that we already have anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the part of the show that we let our generals and spice runners take part. We ask them a question. They give us an answer. Before we get to that, we want to thank those people. So thank you to our generals. Carmelo, John Reese, Jetta Rosewater, Frank Grande, Darth Hurricane, Nick Kratz, Christian Morales, Brian Smith, Matt Chitty, Danny, Mike Ramori, Matt Heath, Chris White, Brendan McLaughlin, Count Pepto, Sam Zilke, Sneaky Zebra and Val Trichkoff, thank you guys so much. Thank and you. to our Spice Runners, David Probus, Neil Shaw, Kendall Gelnar, Ryan Wara, Dave Hornack, Thomas Hennessy, Andrew Staley, Jeremy Myers, and our new Spice Runner, Michael Fry. Thank you guys what so up? much. We're Crazy. excited to have you here. Uh, this week, we have our buddy from the UK, Matt Chitty. What up, Matt? Uh, Matt, don't worry. Your at-at is, is going to make an appearance eventually when I figure out where to put him in my background but he is here um 
All right, so his question was, this summer's novel, Shadow of the Sith, provided more of Luke Skywalker's story. Would you like more Luke stories filling in the gaps between the films? If so, what medium would you prefer for those stories to be told? This is a great question after what we were just talking about. Take it away, Matt. Hi. Um, thanks for this week's question. Uh, yeah, I really had to think about this one. Um, obviously, Luke's the main character. I'd love to learn more about the story, about what happened between the films. In terms of the best way to do it, um, really thought about this. Don't really think animated is the way to go. Obviously, books, great. You can really dive in. I think they've opened the door now with The Mandalorian, and it's going to be a digital look. I think you do it as a Disney Plus series. You could even bring in Mark maybe as a force ghost. I don't know when you'd set it. Almost telling back the story. You could do it that way. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's probably the best way to do it. I'd, I'd love to hear those stories. So uh, yeah, thanks for the question and uh, see you guys soon. Bye. Nicely done, Matt. I'm going to be that, that basic American and say that your accent is wonderful. You sound so great. Uh, John, what'd you think? I don't know if it translates over there if they all speak that way, but I feel like Matt could say a lot of things and I wouldn't be like offended by them or I wouldn't feel inclined to argue with him. It's just a very pleasant. Tone. He's also just a super pleasant person. <laughs> yeah. Matt, say, uh, next pod race, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you like a really spicy topic. Ooh. We'll see. We'll see what you do with it um no but uh yeah great job i love seeing the book back there of course and i don't know if that was lighting or not but uh look a little sithy back there but um i i will say this i you know you saying animated off the table i find interesting because my mind went to mark hamill does voice animating he can do like an older luke voice if they did that um but you're saying go for it and do the the deep fake luke in his own series that is bold, man. Um, I don't know if they'll ever do that. Um, but I'd I'd watch the hell out of it. So I think that's really it's just a bold idea. I think that's really cool. So I think that was a great answer because I did not I honestly did not expect that at all. Um I thought when you started saying like then this is what the you know, this, then that leaves us with I thought you were gonna say recast. Um, so I, I think it's interesting you went for, for what they've been doing with the Mandalorian, just expanding it and letting Luke sort of have his mm -hmm. own story. So it's an interesting idea. It's, I know it's a controversial thing for a lot of people, but I think that's a really bold, uh, choice. So I dig it. Thanks, man. And I hope I see you at Celebration. You're going to be there, right? Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait. Uh, James. Um, yeah, I think that I, like, I don't know if I'm speaking for Matt here, but you know, with that, if so, what medium would you prefer those stories be told? I think you just kind of took like, I think we generally go, well, there's these technological problems. Like, you know, what, what seems the most realistic um, that we, you know, it seems almost like it could actually happen. But I think uh, Matt is looking at this like, which would you prefer, genie in a bottle thing? He goes, boom, live action, absolutely, kind of thing. Like, and then a little bit of like, how could they do that? Well, we've already seen it sort of happen. You know, it is possible. So let's just assume they figure out a way to upgrade the technology and make it even more possible. Yes, that that's the one I want, and that totally makes sense uh, to me. I think that's um, 
don't, it, it's not the easy answer, but it's probably the most realistic answer. Like if you could remove all obstacles and be like, would you prefer Luke Skywalker stories in animation or in live action? They're like, well, live action, that would be the best. That would be the best scenario, of course. So Matt, I think you are exactly on the money on this one. Thank you so much for doing the pod race. Uh, adding to our show. That's great. Giving us some good content to talk here on the podcast about. Uh, thank you. Matt, awesome job. Per usual, you sound wonderful, like I said. Great hair. Um, loved your answer. Luke is one of the best characters. A big, big fan of Luke. Um, and I think that I would really love a live action version as well. I think they could do Mark Hamill as like his old self on the island, like reflecting on young Luke stories where he like has flashbacks or something like that could be really Always cool. Always kick those around like with Billy D. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I just love Luke Skywalker. I'll, I'll never have enough of that character. So I'm all on board. But thank you so much for taking part. We love having you in the community. Like John said, can't wait to see you at Celebration. Hope you're going. Um, but yeah. Back to you, John. All right. Now, I know we're up on an hour, but screw it. More podcasting. We're going to do Ask the Resistance right now. I've been wondering, what are midichlorians? All right. So we used to do this way more often. Um, as new stuff is coming out, we'll probably bring it back more because we'll have more topical questions. Uh, but we're going to do it right now. And here's a round of Ask the Resistance. You submitted... Uh, questions. So thank you to everybody who uh, accepted the call for questions and sent stuff in. We really appreciate that. Uh, you help make the show more fun and give us different perspectives and, and things that we don't uh, always think of. So uh, let's kick it off here. Uh, one of our uh, resistance officers on Patreon has Aslam. What's up, buddy? Uh, he sent a question. Do you think it would be refreshing or risky if Disney were to create a new series or movie where the main protagonist wasn't a humanoid, but perhaps a droid or an alien of distinct alien features. Um, I think this may have come up on the podcast in the past, but I'm not sure. Um, so because of the sake of time, let's do one question each. So mm -hmm. I'll just say which one of you wants to take this one. And if you don't, I'll grab it. I don't want uh, it. You don't want it. I'll, I'll do it. Oh, Lacey's right doing the nose thing. <laughs> I'll do it. This is easy. Has so he here's, I think, if I may be so intrusive here, I th is this coming because of She-Hulk? Because this is current right now, and we're getting well, like it's a humanoid. Full... That's humanoid. You're I know, not but, humanoid. I know, but that's still a full CG character that like we're supposed to connect with this, and it, it's sort of like a Jar Jar situation where it's like, yeah, she looks like a girl, but also it's supposed to be like she she's bigger and different, and it's obviously clearly fully animated. I think there's something to that that's maybe why this is getting brought up. I think, yes, they could do it. Um, it, it if, if they really wanted to go down that route, we bought uh, Groot, you know, we bought Raccoon, uh, Rocket, yeah, Grogu. If, I, think, I think that we are definitely at the point where so long as we feel like we could personally connect with the story or, or the spirit of a character, the technology um, is the only obstacle, and we're at a point now where that, that obstacle is looking lower and lower, um, that it's very believable that if, if you make 
if you make L3 a good character, then characters are going to relate to it and feel bad when that character dies or has a, or laugh when they have a funny joke. Or... Wall E. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we we've definitely done. I mean, wow. in animation, it's it's no question. But could they do it in live action? And right. I think that hurdle comes down to: Can you make a fully CG character believable enough that we're not in Uncanny Valley anymore? Um, I I think it's possible. Pass. There you go. All right. Cool. All right, Lacey. This one is going to you. Uh, blue at Blue Milk Diner. Um, I know you've had thoughts about Old Republic stuff in the past and, and things you'd like to see. So they're asking, will we ever see the birth of the Jedi and or Sith shown in live action? Great question. Blue Milk Diner. Thank you for it. Um, I think we're going to get that in the Acolyte. I think we're going to get the Sith side of things from there, whether it be a flashback or a retelling or some type of mention. Um that's my answer. Alkali. I almost said alkalite. The alkaline right. battery. Yeah. Right. Alkaline trio. Yeah. Um, fl- so via flashback. That's a good point. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. um, even the Vader comic had like, look in this mask and you see the past. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. I like that. It could be a holocron. Uh, all right. Last one here. What's that? It could be through a holocron or something. Yes. True. Um. All right, last one here. Chris Bratell at Chris Bratell. Way to get your handle, Chris, first and foremost. That's the most important thing. <laughs> so good job. It's been a while since we said that. A lot of people are not getting their handles these days. It's tough. Uh, tough, tough all right, Chris, world out there. Yeah. Chris asked, how would you feel about Gareth Edwards directing the final episode of Andor Season 2? Uh, not good. Um, and not because of Gareth, I feel like that would feel like it was a like charity thing or something. I don't, I don't know. I, I I don't know that that needs to happen because one, you know, Tony Gilroy came in and did heavy rewrites and reshoots for Rogue One. And it wasn't a situation where Gareth is like, let me bring in my friend, Tony Lucasfilm was like, we got to bring in Tony Gilroy to help us out here. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's a situation where Tony Gilroy is going to be like, now let me bring in Gareth Edwards to finish my series. Like that, yeah. that, 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 that's such a weird, such a weird, like yin yang. Um, so I, so that's not really the answer to your question. Like, I, I don't think it will happen. How would I feel about it? A, a little strange. I think I would just feel a little strange. Um, but let me know what you think. And, and everyone who asked questions, let us know how you felt about our answers on that. Of course. Um, cause the discussions, uh, some of the best parts of what we do here, which we're going to do Thursday um, with our with our next episode. But uh, before I do that, I just want to thank everybody for listening and watching, being a part of TRB. If you did submit a question, uh, keep them coming. We really appreciate when when people do that. It means a lot to us. Uh, so keep those coming and uh, we'll get yours on the show and give you shout outs like we did with these folks here. Uh, make sure you subscribe. Like Lacey said, all the preferred platforms. We did have an issue with Apple um, as of recording. Uh, this episode it's still happening with our most more recent episode. Hopefully that's fixed. Uh, I'm submitting tickets every day to Apple Podcasts trying to get it fixed. I, I really hope it's resolved. This, so this is a great time to download Spotify. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no, yeah. I mean, we are on almost all major audio platforms that you could probably find without being a subscriber of that. So uh, there are other ways if you don't want to look at our faces on YouTube, In of YouTube, course. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, but hopefully, you know, I know a big bulk of our audio listeners do listen via Apple. So 
Um, nothing, you know, our hands were tied there. Hopefully it's fixed and uh, permanently fixed. But spread the word of the pod. Uh, Star Wars News Net for all of your Star Wars news. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Johnny Hoey, writing and editing at StarWarsNewsNet.com. And my movie podcast, Just Like the Movies, we just put out an episode on Wedding Crashers last week. Because um, it's always wedding season, uh, as I found out. Um, James. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram, both at Myra Trunks. Lacey. People can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Lacey Gillerin. All right, so here's the deal. Thursday, it's it's our last discussion episode. I know we did a lot of discussing on this episode. We always discuss. Yeah. But it's our last like vocal discussion episode where we're going to take our swings for the fence and give our final predictions for what we're going to get in Andor. Uh, maybe specifically the first three episodes, but mainly season one. Uh, and we're going to have some fun. Take some swings and... Uh, you're not going to go back and listen to prove us wrong anyway. So we're going to take our shots at it. <laughs> and we uh, haven't we, seen anything, to be completely honest. Like we're oh, not, yeah. We have not seen any of Andor. No, we have, we have not. Seen not. Any of it. We have not. Um, so uh, be a part of the discussion with us, you know, and and, uh, and it's going to be a good time. But until then, we hope you enjoy your weeks, and we'll see you Thursday morning right here on the Resistance Broadcast. See you around, kids. <laughs>